Hi, listener. Thank you so much for checking out Watery Death Show, an anime podcast so bad that it loops back around to being good. Or so we hope. Just wanted to take a minute and say that if you enjoy what you hear, you can rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to our YouTube or SoundCloud, or follow us on Twitter, at Watery Death Show. We also have an inbox at waterweedesho at gmail if your message can't be fit into 280 characters. And we read all the messages you send and reply to them, whether they make it to air or not, because we really do love our community, which we hope you'll become a part of if you haven't already. But whether you do or not, you have our sincere thanks for listening, friend. Hope you enjoy the show. Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, enemies. Welcome to Warrior Death Show. We're back after a brief, unsolicited vacation that Doc took. What's a git? I didn't allow him to do that. I will be firing him, giving his disciplinary after the facts. Uh, but until then, of course, he's still on the clock and on the job here, and he will be talking with me today about Sounds of My Episode 9 and Episode 10, the most boring episodes in anime history. Nothing happened in them, nope. nothing at all. It was just a collective 45 minutes of images happening in a linear fashion. It was like browsing a carpet, you know, carpet store. So, you know, get checking out samples, pretty bland. No, I'm kidding, play didn't yeah. actually happen. We're going to have a ton to talk about because Ikahara is a psychic vampire who feeds off people's, <laughs> you know, misery and suffering, at least as far as the audience is concerned. Maybe he himself is an also, we don't know. Uh, for those of you just joining us who don't, don't know who we are, I am, of course, uh, you know, anime curmudgeon, uh, feisty war criminal, and shiny forehead shaded. And on the opposite side of the pond is, of course, uh, my very good colleague and friend, the Soul Doxer, when he's not on vacation. Yep, mm. I cease being your colleague when I'm on vacation somehow. I don't know how that works. What's the, what a prick. How does that metaphysically happen? How does our colleague relation become severed? I, well, I was going to say, it's going to be a full severance happening at, the, at this rate, the way you're going on. Can't, I'm not standing for this. Absolutely not standing. I have so, to say, yes, so um, I, know, I know I've taken two breaks during the show, um, this particular show, uh, but, you know, A, I have a lot of vacation I have to use up, or I will just, you can't cash it in at my job, so it's, you just sort of have to use it. Mm. Um, and, but also, uh, for fans of this show being a weekly regular thing, I won't have any to use up for uh, several, several months. So <laughs> be be uh, be pleased in that knowledge, I suppose, that I won't be, to be fair, at any To be fair, I mean, I'm, I'm arguably equally responsible because I did say way back when Starons and I started that, oh, you know what, let's try and shift over to Friday. I'll make time for it. I'll make it work. And then lo and behold, what did I start doing? Going out drinking more on Friday nights and going to exotic locales like Liverpool and London. Whoops. Ah, uh, the exotic yeah. Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. uh. Indeed. So, uh, we're going to firstly, however, check Twitter, because we did indeed do yep. Twitter polls last time. They've aged very well. Uh, uh. One that I put up on my own Twitter feed when I was asking what to do at a pub does not count, but thank you to anyone who did participate in that. Um, <laughs> the ones last time, if I recall correctly, were ones about, you know, what kind of decisions would we make as people if we were in the same situation as the Sirens of My characters? 
or what flavor of kepi that we like. So I think Doc is currently looking those up now. I am scrolling. Um, I don't want to scroll too much while you talk because for whatever reason on my side, which is what the the folks at home pick up, uh, whenever I scroll while you're talking, there's popping, which is fucking dumb. Uh, I don't I don't know if I just need to use Twitter in a different browser, but um, anyway, this is production shit that you guys don't care about. Here are the polls for episode eight, where the uh, wonderful and lovely and talented Emily Rand joined us. Indeed. Poll number one, Archiaki's... Uh, I did it again, but it's spelled... Take, it's, take a drink. No, this is not me. It's spelled this way on the poll, which I did not write. So blame. I did, yep, I set you up. I bade <laughs> you. You did. You, you knew this moment I, would happen. I, That's I why bade you, you two weeks in advance. God damn it. It's the JoJo's read that happens in volume four, but then only takes place in volume five. <laughs> you do want to me. Um, Archikai sacrifices to save Toy something that truly cost him or set him back, or is his criminal career a boon to him? So 57% said yes that his sacrifices have truly cost him. Um, I think that has borne out to be accurate. <laughs> That's put it mildly. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's a very analytical way of... <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, as we, as we learned in episode 9, it did indeed cost him one boat ticket. Oh, that's not the way out again. Over the river sticks. (laughs) 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 Okay, poll two. Should Ryo and Kazuki move on from Mabu and Inta's deaths, respectively? Boy, Mm. this one is uh, Mm. (laughs) going on some assumptions, you know, that we have, but that's okay. Uh, and leave their past behind or try to bring them back through the dishes. 67% said yes, they should move on. Uh, that's a surprising one. And that had a high participation rate. So, uh, yeah. Um, we did talk a lot about that uh, mm-hmm. last time. Um, good discussion, though. You know, not exactly what happened, as we'll talk about. Uh, and now, my favorite of the polls we've ever done. What's your favorite flavor <laughs> of kepi? Flavor spelled with a U, as it should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not, you know, subscribing to your, you know, pigeon American English here. You know, where color is color and chocolate is candy. Leave, leave me with that shit. Leave, leave that over there. Don't you bring that crap over. Flavor. Uh, flavor. Flavor. Uh, lemon and lime, kepi. Got a 58% of the vote. Uh, the majority of the four choices. Uh, Dr. Kepi, the one I voted for, uh, got only 34% of the vote. And sharing the remaining 8% equally are dark and light Kepi. So mm-hmm. there you have it. Well, as it turns out, again, episode 10 is where we'll start to see light and dark Kepi truly, uh, you know, come into the fray. Uh, I don't think Lemon and Lion Kepi will be making an appearance anytime soon, I'm afraid, folks. Unless it's in product placement, maybe Ikara's inside, I don't know. I mean, the show is lesser, and we are all lesser for that, unfortunately. This is true, this is true. Alright, so, we do have a lot to cover today, so I'm going to probably abridge uh, the events of episode 9 and 10 a fair bit here. Oh, do you, uh, want, if, do you want me to mention um, 
Do you want me to mention the creative people, the creatives? Yes, please, please, please do. It'll allow me to, you know, focus my mm-hmm. uh, my my thinking parts in order to properly articulate what's happened with uh, episode nine and ten because there's a lot to fucking cover. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yes. So collect your thoughts while I talk about these amazing and talented people. So for episodes nine and ten, as with every other episode, uh, the dynamic duo of head writers are remain Kunihiko Ikuhara and Teruko Utsumi. They have been doing a marvelous job for a long time on many things, and they continue to do so here. Uh, The episode director for episode nine is Nobuyuki Takeuchi, which I believe... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm going to remember that name for Lace because, boy, oh, boy, do I have a... Do I have mad props for the direction of Nine in particular? Holy shit. There's so much good stuff in there. I mean... Well, I'll save that for later. Like, uh, Takauchi is, I mean, just a really amazing uh, creative. Excuse me. Um, worked with Ikuhara before uh, on Utena TV a little bit with the opening animation, but was the animation director for Utena the movie. And as we discussed, uh, is probably best known, I think, for uh, doing storyboards, animation direction, key animation, and visual direction in Bakemonogatari. Uh, that he was the visual director of it looks like the entire TV show, and then storyboarded a bunch of it, and was the animation director for several episodes. Um, really, really awesome director, and so he directed nine. And also storyboarded episode nine. So uh, episode nine, you know, his hand is is on it. And episode did a damn good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode ten has two episode directors and three storyboarders. Um, oh wow! When, when they were directed, did one guy have one hand on one side of the camera and the or you know how'd this work? Like when they were typing on the keyboard, one's doing the left, one's doing the right. I would um yes. That's ex- yep. That's exactly it. Um, that was probably just so dense that I don't know they wanted to split the work up. Um, and with animation, you're you know you're able to do that. Um, so we got Noriko Hashimoto and Shingo Kaneko on episode direction, and let's look at. Uh, why did I not pull up Hashimoto? But I've got Shingo Kaneko pulled up. Um, I haven't looked over this resume, but we've got some Penguin Drum, uh, mm-hmm. as, you know, some, some Ikuhara work, uh, under their belt already. Uh, got a little bit of Soul Eater, which is a shounen TV show that I enjoy. Uh, storyboarded and <laughs> episode directed. You said that with great pain then. <laughs> like, is Soul Eater otherwise not, uh, well respected in the uh, I think it's like... It's it's not divisive because I don't think like people strongly disagree <laughs> about it, like care enough about it to like. But it's it's one of those that people are mixed on. I liked it quite a bit when I first saw. Is it, it a guilty crown pleasure? Oh God, fuck no! It's so much better than that. It is. Don't don't even like. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, uh, this person did storyboard an episode of Love Hina, which I will hold against them. 
uh, forever. Um, well, you all know what's held against him as well. Probably the gun that was like you know uh, used to make him make that episode. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, they well, probably <laughs> that's probably was a a nice credit on their resume that shows inexplicably popular. Um, <laughs> and some full metal, full metal, full metal alchemist storyboarding and episode direction, episodes three thirty seven and forty seven. Um, I like I said, I, for some reason I don't have Hashimoto pulled up, so we'll pass over them and talk about the three storyboarders: Masayuki Kurosawa, Katsunori Shibata, which is like hilariously similar name to a uh, professional wrestler that I love dearly, Katsuyori Shibata. But this is maybe Kats- that's his wrestling guy persona. Maybe that's you know, <laughs> maybe it's- you know. You know, he just comes out, storyboards an anime scene, and then mm-hmm. smashes it over his opponent's head. I hope so. That's that's an incredible gimmick. If, if, to get in on fact, that. That, yeah, in fact, he would even draw the scene of him doing that to his opponent right in front of them while just they're lying on the floor. And he just goes and say, look, look, here's this, right? This is you, and this is me. Smash this over your head. Now let me demonstrate. Bang! And have the head come, I am even Japanese through. professional wrestling. I will <laughs> sprit you some solid... Gold entertainment. Yes. Promise you that. Have the head coming through where the head would be on the character model and just be like, <laughs> like that'll be just like that kind of peak corny is what a lot of Japanese wrestling trades in. And so it would fit in on many <laughs> in many promotions, I promise you. So uh Shibata and Kanako, the director as well, who we've already looked at, but let's take a look at quickly. Uh, Katsunori Shibata, um, storyboarder. Let me have a look. See, uh, you know, we got uh, quite a long resume here, <laughs> but it looks mostly good. Um, the one thing that Uh-oh. really, Uh-oh. no, no, this is a good thing. This is oh, like, thank God. Uh, I thought you were going to link it back to some shit we'd watched previously that was diabolically awful. No. 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 no uh, there's no Elfin lead credit Oof. on here. Um, Thank fuck for that. We got a key. There were a key animator on Flip Flappers episode four, which was awesome and beautiful. Uh, but wow. What like. This person directed episodes two and eight of Devil Man Crybaby. Like Ooh. a fucking goat anime. So like So he, so he directed Devil Man Crybaby at its most relative calmness and then got it like when he went. When it completely went like, you know, to DEFCON one. Yeah. Wow, that's that's some stones to be able to do that. Did Devil Man Crybaby have a relative calmness? I feel like from the beginning. Yes. I mean you do realize that like, you know, the worst it gets in the first episode is a bar brawl, and the worst it gets in the final episode is the literal end of the world. Well, I mean, it certainly, like, ratchets up. But I recall That's that... Pretty mildly. I recall the bar brawl being, like, demons devouring human beings whole, and, like, mass murder and rape, an orgy of destruction happening. Uh, most I <laughs> started Friday night. <laughs> That's just the Liverpudlian... Uh, you know, typical, typical Friday, as you say. Uh, what mm-hmm. else? Nothing else is, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff. 
nothing that we've watched before or that would I don't think um Oh second key animator on the Sword of the Stranger movie. That's a fucking great movie. Oh so Katsunori Shibata, like look out for them. Like that what a what a resume. Wow. So Ikahara's been assembling the, you know, <laughs> Avengers of, of uh, anime here, you know. It seems so. And so one more, one more. I know these probably aren't the most exciting segments that we do, but I think they're important. So Masayuki Kurosawa, uh, the other storyboarder. Holy shit. There's a fucking <laughs> metric ton of dot hack on this resume. Um, CG. This person has done the CG of... Dot hack sign TV, dot hack unison. Something called it just simply says editing <laughs> of dot hack roots. Um, also, there's a credit on dot hack sign called offline editing. What what? Please write in, email us what that means, because I don't. Maybe it was a hack. Know. Maybe it was a hack job. I don't. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. they worked on Avenger. The show that I brought up recently that was terrifically boring but looked really pretty. Well, uh, that's something. You can't fault them for the script being yeah. shit. Anything else? Um, oh, they're also credited as an editor on Saras and Mai. Um, again, what does editing mean? Uh, who knows? Uh, there's, they, are, they also storyboarded episode 8, um, which we talked about Two weeks ago. And, oh, Wolf's Rain. Uh, assistant episode director on episode 13. Anyone who worked on Wolf's Rain is okay in my book. So, uh, so yeah, those are just a few of the highlights of the folks who worked on this episode. And now mm-hmm. I will turn it over to you, my good man. All right. So, again, uh, just as a three because we do have a lot to cover here with these two episodes. We need even one of them on their own, we would have a lot to, like, you know, say. I'm going to abridge the events a fair bit. <laughs> Sorry. This is not at you. I was just catching up on chat, and Emily is so right to call Hack Sign Sword Art Online for old people, because it really fucking is. I don't recall it being, like, um, like making me squirm. It was just, it was, like, super boring. I feel like there were a lot of scenes where like people were just standing around in the game world talking or not even talking, just like the camera would pan around them and it would play this really beautiful music. But it's like, I'm feeling sleepy here. Can you like attack that other person with your axe that you have on <laughs> do something? I, I, would to- I would totally argue Sword Art Online is for old people because old people hate the young and I certainly hated Cariso after I watched eight episodes of it. Fucking wanker. <laughs> Oh, man. So I reckon that I reckon that works. Do, just saying. People are still making super long video essays about how bad that anime is. Which can I can I be fair? I'll be fair though. I'll say this right. The creator of Sword Art did go on record saying, "Look, I've done a shit job with female characters previously. I'll try and up my game." Which is brave of him to say. Like you know, it takes it takes some balls to say, "Look, I admit my own writing could be better. I recognize there are faults there, and I'll do better." So while that hasn't changed my opinion of what I have seen of Sword Art Online, because I didn't fancy putting myself through, like, you know, 24 more episodes of that dog shit, uh, I can at least respect the creator, you know, saying, I can do better. Good on them. Good on them. That's true. That's oh. true. And it's... I, I, there's so much better things than we could do than talk about this. <laughs> so, Indeed, let's move let's on. Let's move on. Yeah, yes. 
So, so, sounds my episode nine. Firstly, I want to connect, but I can't express it, which I think is probably the crippling issue of a lot of four chaners these days. Game that one in early. Come at me, four chan bros. You know I'm right. Yeah, you know I'm right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. I love this opening, by the way, before the uh, actual opening, this, this like opening minute mm-hmm. of episode nine, because it feels like Saren Zamai in 60 seconds or less as a, as a concept, because you've got some amazing little editing bits of like, you know, Enter being taken to the emergency room for surgery, Kazuki like bathed in a pillar of light like he's on trial or some shit. And then, of course, we cut to uh, Frozen Kepi being run over by uh, the Optimus Prime, or Optimus Prime, as it were. Optimus Prime. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I've been waiting to say that for a while. Superb. Yep. So this particular episode, though, is mostly a toy and Chikai. Chikai, did I get it right? Was it Chiaki? It is Chikai. You were correct. Yes. 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 Not Chiaki as in Konaka, but Chikai as in Chikai. So they're on the boat, or one of several boats they'll be taking to leave Asakusa. And. I'm just going to note, by the way, that Toya's got two forms of currency with him. Guns and money. So he's definitely well-equipped for the trials to come. But through, of course, uh, plot exposition news uh, by Azusa Sarah, uh, he finds out that Enter has been shot. Uh, and this is the point where his brother says, you can go back. But once you go back, you're not coming back here to, with me. You, it's a one or nothing thing. And Toya's logic, like in this, it's a shame, but it makes sense in that he understands that Kazuki, you know, is there for Enter. But there's only him who can be there for his brother right now. Uh, words that he will probably swallow very bitterly later on in this very same episode, if ever we were to recall them. But, hey, there we go. Um, so now we end up getting to the hospital. Uh, Kazuki is actually talking to two cops, not Rayo Mabu. These are the two cops who were mind-controlled previously. Uh, this hospital, by the way, is part Useless. of the great direct episodes which I thought was fantastic, but I'm going to save the specifics for later. Uh, he's compensated by Enter's sister. Um, and... Sorry, I'm just refreshing my brains on this. I'm glad, will... I'm, I'm glad she got to like have a moment of relevance in mm. the show. That was really good. I'm, it would have been weird, I think, looking back at the show later, to be like, wow, she was not present for any of this, and her brother is on the brink of death. Yeah. She certainly was, it's good to see that she was more relevant, or rather continues to be relevant after the episode in which she was most prominently featured, which was episode two. Um, meanwhile, back with, you know, um, Ty and Jackie, uh, they meet up with uh, Masa. Chikai, sorry. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm I'm, I'm to get a jar. I'm going to get a jar here. I'm going to start putting money in it every time I get it wrong. I've contaminated you. You. you need to do the same. Um Name of a guy named Masa who actually calls uh, Chikai bro, or Aniki as it is in Japanese. Uh, there's your translator's note joke of the episode. Enjoy that. Um, and he's like, seems very dopey. Like for a career criminal, he is, a, looks, I don't know what to make of him. Like you wouldn't expect him to be a criminal. You'd expect him to be someone who like, you know, actually smiles when working at McDonald's, which is a difficult thing to do. Um but yeah, he's going to give them the, the means to get onto the next bow out of As- uh, Asakusa. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Rayo, you know, he tries another round of, uh, you know, baked otter, you know, pastries. And they're actually really good. My God. <gasps> You've come back to me. You've come back <laughs> to me. And, and he imagines, you know, himself embracing Marbu for this. So yeah, he's, you know, at that point, he's like, no, 
what other metric do I need to know that Mabu is back to his usual self? The fact that he bakes like um, like a genius once more. Yes. Yes. But we, of course, now have to get through to our favourite comedy duo, which is uh, Sousa Sarah and Kepi. Uh, as Sousa Sarah decides to, you know, pretend that Kepi is some sort of DIY project, she decides to put him back together with glue, of all things. Uh, and she makes a complete botch job of it, of course. Uh, he probably ends up looking like, like something out of John Carpenter's The Thing after the fact, although we never get a full, uh, proper view of it. No, no. I wonder if they're, like, too gruesome for TV. We have to save it for the Blu-rays. <laughs> Oh, what God, was the uh, was the final piece that she put on him? His asshole <laughs> was that the last piece? I thought it was. I thought that was it, and that would have been fitting. Save the save it till last, I suppose. It's, yeah. Mm. So we cut back to uh, Massa, Chikai, and Toy. Uh, Toy has actually gone to go get some uh, supplies from local Seven Eleven, and he overhears a conversation between Massa and Chikai uh, in an alley around the corner on the docks. Um, Here's the thing, right? You remember what I said about the poll about his career being advanced by the sacrifices he made? Turns out Toy's sacrifice of his own innocence in killing uh, the bomb leader actually pushed Jakai onwards in his criminal advancement. He made him enemies, but um, Master does point out, you know, you brought his balls to our boss, and that made you who you are. And Toy, of course, like, he's on a shopping bag, grips really tight. Uh, what his ultimate reading of this is up for interpretation, but for me, I think it's him realizing that in some way his actions to try and keep himself safe when he was younger because of his fear have only actually made things worse. He's actively participated in the twisting his brother or even creating the Chikai we know now as opposed to what he was when he was younger. Um, so, back to the hospital. Um, Enter sister tells Kazuki, go see, you know, go see Enter, please. You know, this is, he might not make it through the night. That's how serious it is. Uh, Enter, you know, is laid up in hospital. He's laid up in bed. There's a dividing window, which Kazuki's banging on, like, you know, come back to me, please. And then, completely out of nowhere, uh, Enter is in Kappa form right behind him. Now, what I really liked about this, by the way, just as a small observation, I think it was mentioned previously as part of the mythology of Kappas in general that they are death spirits, am I right? There's something associated with that. Is that oh, correct? Oh, shit. Fuck. It's been too long since I thought about it. Maybe someone mm. in chat could help us out, but they're please, yokai please, please, for please. sure. A kind of yokai. Mm. <laughs> uh, mm. I can Google while you're talking if you if we want to play it that way. Um, I'll continue. Uh, we'll continue. But, okay. Um, yeah, I also didn't realize at this point, by the way, that it was possible for, you know, if one of the kids is human to see a Kappa friend of theirs. Or maybe that's just a part and parcel thing, you know, of being able to turn into a Kappa in the first place. But yes, Kepi has found the hospital and turned him into uh, a Kappa to help save his life. Uh, but um, it seems one has installed Siri in Enter's head because Siri very helpfully tells us that Enter only has a couple of hours to live. So the goal here is obvious, you know. We get the dishes of hope back from Rayo and Mabu, and we, you know, returning back to normal minus bullet wound. Okay, seems fair. I just fresh my brain on this. Um, so Kappa, I can read. So here's the Wikipedia entry. Um, you know, we we the checks out with the things about cucumbers and love of sumo wrestling, and them being tricksters. It's all hilarious. 
They are usually seen as mischievous troublemakers or trickster figures. Their action range their actions range from comparatively minor, such as looking up women's kimonos, womp womp. Uh, to the outright malevolent, such as drowning people and animals, kidnapping children, raping women, and at times eating human flesh. Uh, though sometimes menacing, it may also behave amicably towards humans. Oh, that's good to know. Um, oh, great. So basically they're just normal people, or could they're potentially normal fuck. people. Fuck! Uh, yeah, so this is uh, from uh, Michael uh, Ashkenazi's Handbook of Japanese Mythology, the YouTube source on that description I just read. Uh, holy shit. Um, well, the, the Saras and Mai is doing a good job of rehabilitating that the image of the kappa well at least until episode 10 when we get a revelation about some people who uh, kappas all are. sorry doc that's true shut that down you got so anyway, put a hard kappa on how oh, much that you could rebuild well well there's another joking coming you'll hear in a second uh so we cut back to uh toy chikai and masa and after masa hands over the remaining tickets to get them on the next boat hours uh Asakusa, uh, Chikai decides to put a capper in him. God damn it. <laughs> I didn't even see it coming. I should have known. <laughs> Nor did Massa for that matter. <laughs> uh, oh, man. I can't be stopped. I'm sorry. You've been, I've been away for so long, folks. Just a week and a half. And now you have to put with this bullshit again. Uh, but anyway... Uh, the reason, at least as far as uh, Chikai explains to Toy when Toy rightfully asks, whoa, dude, what the fuck, is, you know, it's the same rationale as given before, that only the bad people, you know, survive in this world. And be fair to at least the presentation of Master, he was, you know, very woolly-eyed, you know, doughy-eyed, very innocent, naive-looking, very happy-go-lucky, jolly even. He certainly had none of the, you know, cadence of a career criminal. So... He's dead, and Chikai starts, starts moving up, you know, the stairs, comes up onto a plaza where he's got three gangsters waiting for him, who I seriously fought with the three gangsters, uh, including Benny, I think it was, from Fallout New Vegas. <laughs> no, seriously, like, I I, I, I thought that was who they were. Uh, so there's a bit of back and forth. They're going to, you know, obviously kill Chikai here because they found out where he is. Um, a gunfight ensues after Toy actually shoots one of them in the head. Um... They end up getting separated as a result of this. Um, now, this next bit, though, coming back to uh, to Rayo Marbu, I didn't unfortunately write down who tweeted this out. I therefore can't cite them as credit, but I'm going to fess up that I didn't know this myself. Uh, Rayo is like, you know, walking down the street with a bottle of champagne, and I think it's some pancakes in a box, and he's dancing. And this dance is literally straight out of West Side Story. <laughs> it is the street dance from that. Now again, the, I apologize. Is the song I, is the like psycho no couple song <laughs> because that made me laugh. So yeah, that's not part of West Side Story. But no, oh, so the dance is that's pretty cool. Yeah, the dance is literally West Side Story. I, I saw it side by side. Um, so he gets, of course, back to the police station and finds there's no one there. Uh, but he goes downstairs after overhearing the voice of the otter. And the otter is uh, having his wicked way with Marbu, uh, and he intervenes. But at this point, the otter actually takes on the form of Rayo, uh, just with a red evil outline, uh, making him look like, you know, the demonic version of Zato 1 from Guilty Gear. There's your uh, obligatory fighting game reference. Uh, 
Um, and he's got his heart in hand, uh, Mabus, that is. Um, But the author points out to him, I'm just reflecting your desires. Simple as that. You know, you see yourself in me. And there's a very good reason for that. Because you're covering Mabu, you know? Mm -hmm. And this results in one of my favourite still images of the entire show thus far, which is when uh, Rayo smashes the uh, champagne or the wine, it, it will be wine, against the wall and it looks like smeared blood because he's literally just been that heavily wounded by what he's realised because the otters have been using him and that manipulating was awesome. him. That shot was yeah, fucking that was, awesome. That was art right mm. there. Mm. That was art. Like was I said, the so direction good. of this episode, the storyboarding, in stuff I haven't talked about yet about safe layer, is phenomenal. Man. Absolutely so in fucking incredible. And that's just one part of it. But yeah, um, Kazuki, in the meantime, uh, he actually takes the dish of hope that he had remaining, which was hidden under uh, Haruka's pillow. And the two of he wakes Haruka up back as a result of this, and the two of them have a heart to heart. Where he says, You know what, I'll come back, but I've got to help enter. Uh, Haruka shows him a hand drawn note, um, like of him wanting Kazuki to play soccer as a kid. Uh, with a little drawing from Enter on the bottom left. Um, and that, you know, spurs Kazuki on to go and, uh, you know, do what needs to be done, get the dishes back. But he says he will come back um, for Haruka, of course. Meanwhile, uh, back at uh, back with crime time with the brothers, you know, who've just been murdering their way through uh, Asakusa. I mean, I'll say this for Saren tonight, if it wants to be a tourist advertisement for Asakusa, don't go there because clearly the murder rate is off the fucking charts. You'll either get shot by the criminals or shot by the cops. Town's going to hell. Yep. Jesus Christ. Uh, but uh, Toy and Chikai meet up again uh, on the riverbank. And Toy asks the question, if you dispose so easily of Massa, would you do the same to me? And it looks like Chikai is going to do that. Oh, it's gone to his head. Uh, then there's a gunshot, and then because Ikahara is a git who likes to feed on our agony... Uh, he, of course, cuts to the credits. And then we come back to post-credits. And in a way that made me think this was like one of those random time crisis levels where you've got that one prick in the back who shoots you and you can't hit him easily, uh, some random dude just pops up out of nowhere in the distance and shoots Chikai uh, in the chest. Uh, Tai shoots it. I think it's Chikai possibly. I'm not sure. But one of them shoots him back and takes him out. Um, they manage to, in the end, get to, on top of the boat somehow uh, where Chikai is bleeding out. Uh, he blames Toy for what's happened, but simultaneously also tries to give him money. Uh, money smeared with blood, because it is literally blood money. Uh, to, you know, have him to feed himself and look after himself after the facts. Uh, I don't think he was really... And... I think this is just things he's saying. Like, I don't think he really thinks Toy fucked everything up. Or maybe, well, maybe it was that's... like, it was good that you did kind of vote, you know. This is... Maybe he's... Maybe he said it because he wanted uh, Toy to get about him, possibly. Maybe you know. Maybe. I I hate you, maybe. you little shit. As as he as you die, like maybe he has. Maybe that's more reflection on himself, realizing that he wasn't a good brother to him, and also wanted him not to you know be martyred or remembered as someone trying to do the right thing, quote unquote. Could be. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. And then we get a montage. This will be very important later for a talking point, so put a pin in this. Uh, of moments from when the two of them were much younger, uh, which involves um, uh, Chikai and Toy. Like, Toy starts to learn to want to play soccer. 
uh, from a poster of uh, some Kappa player, like from Brazil, I mm-hmm. believe, yeah. uh, which, uh, believe it or not, also inspired Enter as well. Uh, earlier in the same episode, uh, when there was a flashback that I neglected to mention about when he and Kazuki first met. Um, and after the montage ends, uh, guy's dead. Rest in peace. And Toy takes the bag of money, smeared in blood, and just throws it into the air. Because it, it ain't worth it. Like, if he took that money, it, it would in some way stain him as a result of that, I would argue. But we'll, of course, cover that more in great detail later. So, yeah, uh, that happened. The guy got shot and killed. Uh, insert your own, oh, it's, you know, crime doesn't pay, you know, all criminals get punished in the end mentality that we've covered before on various anime, etc., etc. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Nope. I'll say this for later. We gotta get, we gotta get through the this part, but I, I won't derail us. All right. So uh, let's now move very swiftly on to episode ten. I want to next, but I can't. Motherfucker! Ah! Just like the way you set that up was like such a like. It, I, you were like baiting me to think about Phantom, weren't you? <laughs> no. Because you fucking no. didn't. No, 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 like, no, no, no. all the fucking <laughs> ending. Yusuke Kuroda, why? I was, actually, I was actually thinking more of Banana Fish in the discussions we had then about how oh, you right. know, there was some discussion about how Ash deserved his fate, supposedly. Something I very vehemently disagree with because mm-hmm. he was a criminal, which is, well... That's what we call in the industry some baby back bullshit. Yes, like the same, you know, like, ah, like, the consequences. I don't care if you're fucking conscripted into this horrible life before you even understand what right and wrong is, or you're brainwashed. You're totally like, like, the fuck up the street with that nonsense. Get out of here. Come on. Miss miss me with that. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so episode 10, I want to connect by Khan. Also another crippling condition that 4chan has often suffered, very sorry to say. Go see a doctor. It won't itch so much. Okay, so opening segment of this episode. Uh, this is a flashback again, and this follows uh, Ryo and Mabu's immediate like, aftermath of them uh, invading the Kappa Empire, or the Kappa city states, uh, where we previously saw Dark Kepi escape from regular Kepis, you know, uh, uh Mabu wakes up and is, of course, comforted by Otter, Uso. Uso. Oh, I forgot to mention, I just want to say something just that I found really amusing, is that in the previous episode in this one, we'll learn that uh, the Otter is very fond of taking the microphone, and I really, really wish he just started doing death metal. Uso! Like, it, it feels like he would get to that point. It really does feel like he would get to that point, but, uh, no. Have um, you started watching season two of Agretzka? Agre- it just came Agre- out? <clears throat> not yet dude uh, unfortunately oh, it's so unfortunately good. i was uh, trapped in london this weekend so mm. i didn't get the chance um small side tangent by the way if you ever visit a hotel room and you find out when you turn the tv on that the previous channel that was left on was a porno channel so uh, yeah that happened i just wanted to play guilty here and it just defies saying adult services channel like oh well someone's had a fun time here even though it's just two single beds what was it a, a, you know competitive jerking off Live your best life, people. Yeah, it's like I said to my dad, I'm glad I didn't have any UV light in there. Good God. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, anyway, back on topic. So, the Otter Dude. 
he says to Babu, all right, you can see Rayo, but catch. There is catch. You've got to write down your credit card details here on this piece of paper. No, no, it's not that. It's not yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, give me your um, email password. Indeed. We'll discuss that catch later, but, well, at this point, if you haven't guessed that the evil black and red otter dude in the lab coat is possibly a smidgen on the suspicious side. Hmm. No, I come on. You're, you're being paranoid. I, I'm very paranoid, very paranoid. I mean, you know, Ugandan prince or otter? <laughs> what's, what's worse? Who do you trust? Who do you trust? Who do you trust? I mean, have you seen otters like the one I put picture before? Evil little shits, honestly. Anyway, so, uh, Kepi is talking with Kazuki and Enter, and they need to obviously go get the dishes back from Rayo and Mabu. Um, but, you know, they were going to go to Rayo and Mabu, but Rayo decides, no, I'm going to come to you first, and he finds out where they are, and it turns out that his gun is not just only capable of extracting desire or killing people, it's basically the law giver from Judge Dredd, because it's got so many different firing modes on it, it's just ridiculous. Uh, one of which he uses to restrain Kepi and label him rightly as a tool. Yeah, insert your own joke there. Hey. Um, so it turns out there was like some sort of anti osa barrier around the Kappa Shrine, but it, in the big shocker, da -da 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 -da, <laughs> it turns out that Rayo and Mabu are Kappas. They're not Otter Cops as we originally thought. I was surprised. Just, I, 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 you know what? I'll just say this, right? There's probably hints of it that I have missed. Right. Uh, but, but um, it certainly took me back, and I was like, oh, my God. Uh, but yeah, it turns out when the scene we saw in the previous episode of Rayo Marbu entering Kepi's throne room, it wasn't them breaking in to try and take, take him down. They were his vassals, apparently, because he's a prince. And so, um, despite Kazuki and Enter's pleading, uh, you know, give us the dishes, like, well, Rayo's Rayo, and he's fucking adult. He's a cop, and he's armed. Like, they're not winning this fight. So they end up going with Rayo through to the Otter Empire's secret underground, you know, Half-Life 2 Combined Sistel lair, uh, where they have a discussion on the elevator down. Uh, the discussion uh, basically lays out uh, the parallels between Kazuki and Enter and Rayo and Mabu's situations, which we'll be discussing in more detail when we get to the talking points. Um, but Rayo makes the classic mistake of, you know, how foolish it is to hold on to your connections, he's describing of Kazuki and Enter. Uh, but, well, what's Rayo doing? What is he doing, you know? Take a look in the mirror, man. Just saying. Is he sharpening his teeth on a... No. Man, he, he does indeed have sharp teeth. It's quite scary. Um, so, they end up at, you know, finding Mabu. For some reason, just standing on this giant gangplank over the pit of darkness where Dark Epi is. I mean, that place is not OSHA compliant. There ain't no fucking guardrails or anything. One, <laughs> one slip, one slip and it's all over. Uh, but at this point, it turns out uh, Marby reveals that Otter, Uso, Don't has, uh, been re has been reading his memories. Hmm. And so he's going to take the dishes of hope and use them to sever all connections everywhere. Uh, very disappointing for people wanting to get the use of the new 5G service that's been released in the UK at the very least. Whoops. Uh, so, while Rayo and Mabu argue, uh, Kazuki, Enter, and Kepi make the very wise move to just leave. Especially by kicking Kepi away. They're just like, nope! See you later. Gone. Uh, 
And at this point, you know how we said in episode nine that Rayo was totally on board, you know, like with Marbu being back and being 100% classic Marbu, you know, pre, you know, mechanical heart incident. Uh, EQ turns on that now and he's back to the way he was before because he realizes that, you know, he is just a, a machine basically being utilized by the, the Otters for their own evil ends. Um not least of which being, of course, that revelation he had when he saw the officer, you know, having his way with Marbu. So, we arrive in the underground lair where Dark Kepi is being held in what looks like a gigantic marble, or possibly, you know, some sort of twisted Pepsi advert, I'm not sure. Um, and, like, I have to say, like, if there's one mild criticism after have, the pacing of these episodes is ramping up such to the point where it's like, just slow down a little bit. Like, mm. Kepi says, I finally found you, Dark Kepi, and like, when was he ever looking for Dark Kepi? I don't recall. Did that he mention this before? I, I really don't recall, but it feels like it's just. I mean, he says, like, I came to this world to fuse with Dark Kepi and defeat Osa, but, like, when? Also, I feel like you can't say Dark Kepi without doing the whole, like, darkness. 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 Someone used to use that in an idiom as like a sample. Mm-hmm. So um, they they arrive down there, and the otter intervenes. Uh, by the way, I have to say this right. Like, I was talking recently, uh, possibly with yourself, or maybe it might have been Danny or Kay, uh from Anime is Lit. Shout out to them uh, about the idea of uh, you're going to hate me for discussing this, but like, is it's a fan service concept where you have like a, a character, like say a female character, starts down the legs and then goes upwards. As they're talking, so it looks like they're talking out of the vagina. Okay, that's All a right. thing. Yeah, uh-huh. that's a thing. We've we've seen that happen most notably in Street Fighter. The chun. <laughs> you know I'm right. Forgot you know about that. Right. Oh shit! Yeah, no, I mean Chun Li's crotch was the main character of Street Fighter Alpha Two. It had the most screen time and the most close-ups, and I mean it's undeniable if you watch that movie. Yeah. So imagine my surprise here when I watch uh, Sarah's My Episode 10, and as the artist standing on top of uh, Kepi describing his evil plan through a microphone, uh, we get the same panic shot, including a subtle otter crotch. And I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> Ikahara, please. <laughs> Can't restrain himself. Listen. Indeed. I mean, how can you not love the otter crotch? I mean, I, I, I loved it. You know you loved it too. Well, to be we fair, the otter it. is a colossal. He is a colossal dick, so maybe it all makes sense in that. Mm. So, at this point, um, Enter actually has the last dish of hope. Like we've kind of lost track of it uh, when we've discussed it, but he does have the final one, which is stored in his shell, as we'll find out later. Um, and also realizes this and actually possesses him. Uh, so we get Nega Enter. Evil answer. Uh, That's right. And he and he's about to, you know, the dark hado. <laughs> Unleash yeah. the dark hado. Oh my god! <laughs> and Akuma, oh. Akuma appears. Brother. No, we move on. God damn it! Uh, so yeah, he's about to merge all the dishes of hope together, with the four of which are at the top of, like you know, the giant fish tank that Dark Kepi's kept in. 
but meanwhile, whilst this is happening, we get inside Enter's mind where the otters are doing the same thing to Enter as they did to Rayo, where they take on the personification of something they desire, or even themselves. In this case, Kazuki. And Kazuki's like leaning over him from the back, or rather evil, you know, false Ka- Kazuki. Right. Uh, and he's like, Enter, wouldn't it be nice if you gave me the dishes of hope? It can be a special god. Not just the golden jewel. We could be something more. The platinum dew. <laughs> yeah. Star platinum dew. No. No. He means enter. Otter, 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 otter. Enter. Daddy's down to fuck. Give me them dishes. I, I'm i very glad I waited a little bit to take a drink. Because <laughs> if I actually had to know when you said that, I'd just spat it all out of my screen. Um, the precious dish. Enter. Cast it into the fire. Straight. <laughs> Filthy cappers. We hate cappers. So dirty. Filthy. We just want dishes. You know what? I'm just now imagining for some reason Kazuki and Kappa enter fighting in Mount Doom over the <laughs> dish and it just falls in. <laughs> it yeah. just falls in. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it'll be the early the author instead of uh, uh, Enter, of course. Um, anyway, Enter actually resists uh, the temptation, and he does something that completely. <laughs> now you've got my mind. Sorry, you've got my mind like really spinning about these Lord of the Rings, like the mashup. It kept be like, "You shall not pass, Kero." The chat agrees. Like you've you've got it down. Oh man, can you imagine if Kepi was voiced by Ian McKellen in the English dub? <laughs> I would be totally up for that. Oh man, it'd be like the time. But then again, Ian McKellen has not had a good history of anime. Like the time someone asked him at a convention to read out the Unlimited Blade Works uh, mantra. Oh, did they really? <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> I am the bone of my soul. And he got <laughs> gradually more confused. You could see in his face as he was reading it. Poor guy. Oh. I really, really hope, uh, Sir Ian, uh, if you ever watch this, that you never actually had the misfortune of typing in what is fate, <laughs> what is fate anime into Google, particularly the image search. Jesus fucking Christ. I know I'm too smart for that. Mm-hmm. I've done a lot of dumb things on Google, but that I would never do. I'll do anything oh, for love, Shadon, but I won't do that. Oof. Okay, speaking of doing things for love, mm-hmm. there's, your, there's your segue. Uh, Enter does something that I did not expect. He smashes the dish of hope he's just literally pulled out. It's gone. That's it. I, and we'll come back to that later. But holy crap, like, that's that's a big deal. It basically means he's done for, because he falls back down. Kazuki picks him up and he says, "Right, Kepi, take my Shirokodama." Which, if I recall, you recall, like from episode six, that's like Kazuki, like will be gone from the world in the same way as the Kappa zombies are. It's the same thing, same thing again. But Enter's like, "No, don't be, don't be a moron, no." I'm not giving up on you. I'm not giving up on our future. I'm not letting you this do is this so thing. Fucking awesome! Again, don't <laughs> don't be an idiot and sacrifice yourself. Like that was. I mean, Emily was talking about that last time. That like he um, 
is sort of selfish in this way of like, uh, not in a like bratty way, but in a like, he's very myopic. You know what I mean? Like everything revolves around him. Like everything's his fault. Uh, if he just sacrifices himself and, and I looked into basically verbally was like, you know, no, don't do that bullshit. Like, cause then you're giving up our future together. Like that fucking yeah. rocked. Even, even though it means he's going to die. That's it. Like he, this, he literally has a countdown timer on his head. He only has so long to live. And so the dishes are his one get out. And he doesn't know, although it does happen later, of course, that they'll get another. Simple as that. Yeah. So uh, Otter's like, you know, swirling his metaphorical mustache, like, <laughs> but, uh, then uh, boom, headshot. Uh, Rayo comes in, blows the Otter's head off. He's got all four dishes of hope with him, though. And he says, that's happening. I want my Marbu back. Like, it's, he's had enough now. He's had enough of this bullshit. Um, but the Otter is, of course, just an ethereal being. It's not actually literally got a head. It's just more of a manifestation of the desire. You know, it's a primordial force. Um, so <laughs> we go back to Marbu, who's just kind of standing again on the, uh, the OSHA violation gantryway above the evil Kepi. And... It turns out, it turns out that um, way back when his mechanical heart was fitted, in order to return him to life, that was on the condition that he severs his connection with Rayo. In other words, I hate Rayo. I, I won't love him again. I will never sail him. And in fact, that's the condition. If he says to Rayo, "I love you," he gone. That's it. So is this That's a thing? Do we know, like, if in a very literal sense, because um, like we talked about last time, there's a lot of different ways you could kind of read this, but was was Mabu killed and then this was his sort of devil's bargain to come back to life? Or is the otter just doing this because he's a son of a bitch? Possibly a bit of both, I would say, because they've just been using both of them to, you know, get the desire energy, like by having, uh, you know, rail mm -hmm. extract. Yeah, yeah. I just like why, like why, why pick these ones? I mean, it, yeah. I mean, maybe we won't find out, but I, yeah, I feel like if I put the pieces together from what we've seen, it's there was some, you know, the Kappa Kingdom was getting overrun. Rayo and Mabu got caught up in some kind of like explosion collapse accident issue and then mabu's on operating table you know and it, it mm. feels like it's safe to assume to me anyway that like this was some kind of condition for a return to a normal life or return to life like period mm. well that's again mabu did that because he wanted even though he would have no connection to rail he would still give rail something in return which is have a connection with him because it's not you know where uh, you have Basically, it goes two ways, but you can have it just go one way if you wish, mm. which is true in real life. Mm -hmm. So, uh, because Mar Marbu is basically incited by the Otter to fall into Dark Kefi's core, which transforms him into a Kappa zombie. And the moment this happened, I was like, oh shit. I know where this goes. I know what happens next. Oh, 
Yep. But then we get something awesome that happens, because I thought, okay, Kazuki, you know, and Ensa, they're present. They can do this. They got this, you know? They're the Kappa boys. We've known them. But bear in mind, we did find out early in this very episode that Rea was a Kappa. And so he says to... He shoots um, the Bond off Kepi, turns around and says, Do it! Do it, you son of a bitch! And so Rayo turns into a Kappa, does the same routine that the, the kids have done previously. I thought this was awesome. This was so good. It was fucking great. Like, ah, oh, yeah. Uh, although I do, I will say that Kappa Rayo uh, looks like a like a you know a, a thropomorphized piranha to me. <laughs> he did look pretty beastly. Just something Indeed. that you'd find like hanging off of your toe, just nibbling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Indeed. Um, one thing I'm going to note that I don't need to make this into a full talking point, but I think it's important, that it's, and it's also just kind of come to me because I'm also kind of rewatching the episode as we go along just for reference. Um, all the Kappa zombies that we've seen thus far, uh, whenever the guys, uh, the, the kids, arrive there to fight them, the Kappa zombies are always facing them directly because they obviously they don't want to get to the rear end, quite literally, because that's where the weak spot for massive damage is. In Marbu's case, though, he is immediately facing the opposite direction. Yeah. Yeah, and I think yeah. to myself that might be an indication that maybe Marbu wants what happens next to actually happen rather than resisting it. I think as so. All the other Kappa zombies have done so before. Uh, so, yes, the routine plays out as before. Uh, Rayo retrieves the Shirikodama from Marbu. But in doing so, Marbu himself actually then turns into a Kappa. And then the Sarazamai happens where they link up. And it's a leak. Um, from Rayo to Marbu that happens here, which is important for what follows afterwards. Mm-hmm. Bear in mind, the leaks have been established as objective truth within the show's fiction. It's not a, it's not like the Otter stuff where, you know, it's a distorted, fake thing. Um, and we find out that Marbu uh, overheard the conversation between uh, the Otter and Marbu Sorry, Rayo, I mean to say, overheard mm-hmm. Marbu and the Otter when, you know, they're discussing the bargain that they made before about how, you know, I hate, you know, you must hate him forever. That's it. And one thing I think is important to note here as well is that when Rayo sees that happen, including where the Otter starts making out with Marbu, like, the Otter is not in um, Rayo's shape at that point. It's just his normal one. So it's a question of what you see there, you can take it to be like, you know, that they're just making stuff up, essentially, or lying, or presenting a front son. But yeah, this is, because the way the leak works, this is Marbu, who's learning all this information, how Rayo has essentially been living under a false, an illusion all this time. Not the illusion of, you know, Marbu being a doll, as he's always said, but rather why Marbu did this in the first place, which was so that he could continue to exist, even just as a facsimile, simply for Rayo's sake. But bear in mind that the context of what's happening here has caused Rayo to suffer. He's been angry and, and livid so much of the show. And from that, about um, about Marbu's condition, like, you know, and feels like, you know, that he's not the same person. So it's not been a good thing, ultimately, at least as, as presented by Marbu here, um, for him to have done that. It didn't work out in the end. It was came from a good place. It was a good heart that did that. But it's hubris that did it. And so, Marbu says, bear in mind what we heard before, I love you. And then he dissipates. Man. Uh, Kepi takes the desire. Uh, 
and even sheds a little tear for him because he was someone he knew. And then they're, you know, they've been through so much, but that's that. Um, so we then return to the bridge. Um, Kepi says, like, you know, it's the truth. It isn't not a lie. Aha, aha, aha. Sorry, that was completely unintentional. Some uh, gay characters well, gotta fucking live, man. They can't all die. We're gonna talk about that in a bit, honestly. We're gonna have to. But, for the moment, let's just wrap up the episode story by saying that, obviously, Rayo completely loses his shit and starts leveling, like, the place of his fucking six-shooter turned into, you know, Halo plasma weapon. Like, holy crap. I um, love uh, that it turned from love to desire, like, the till it, it showed the grief. Yeah, you know, I, I really, I really, I really like to imagine that that gun has a ton more settings, like you know, blend, microwave, <laughs> dotte, uh, fabric softener, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. dust, dust, polish, buff, shine, <laughs> do everything with it. Um, <sighs> so Rayo still has the four dishes of hope, and because Kepi has taken the desire uh, Shibudama from Mabu, there is now a fifth. So once again, we're back up to the five that are necessary to make a golden dish. So Rayo, even though he's kill-crazed, knows full well, if I get those, I'm good. And he ends up, like, trying to take it from Kazuki, who says, no, you can't. And he's about to flout kill him. Mm-hmm. At that point, the thing that's happened every time before and this is the bit which really fucking <laughs> holy shit. Uh, the thing that's happened every time before when a Kappa zombie has had its desire assimilated disappears from existence from history oh, entirely. God. And we see and we see oh. the picture. We see the picture of Rayo Mabu just become a picture of Rayo. Rayo still has feelings. He still has emotions for this person that he no longer knows has no longer existed. But they're gone. I could perhaps be an awful prick and say, like, if Mabu had disappeared from time entirely, then the events of the show surely couldn't have happened as they have done. But I'm going to ignore that because we'd be here all day and it's stupid. Let's not get wrapped up in in shit like that. No, no. And that's... Man, like, if... After all, Rayo was only ever after the dishes of hope to fix Mabu in the first place. But if Mabu never existed in the timeline ever... Why did he do any of the things he had? And therefore, Enter would not have been shot, and so on and so forth. But it doesn't matter. Let's move on. Because yeah. that shit is not important. Yeah, we don't, we don't have to get into the time paradoxes or whatever. Um, yeah. But, like, uh, man, like, I, if, I mean, you can't, <laughs> I understand Rio wanting to, like, to save him, I understand Mabu not wanting to like let go of some kind of proximity, even if he has to let go of his connection to his lover, like to keep hold of the proximity for Ryo's sake. Like the fact that like if he would have just been like, fuck you, Otter, like I'll just die, it would have fucking hurt and sucked, but at least Ryo would have still had the memories. At least he would have saw the pictures. At least he would have just, like, could maybe, like, continue and, like, cope and try to build something out of the rest of us. But, like, God, like, 
the fact that like it was like torn away from him and then he was given the little button it was so fucking brutal it was one of the most brutal moments like it that in a while like i feel like you know neverland gave us a lot of tense stuff but i don't know you have to go back to like banana fish maybe mm-hmm. even like you know mm-hmm. o- 03 full metal alchemist to get some of these like really heartrending scenes yeah and then of course uh you know because things couldn't possibly be worse or maybe well we'll argue this in the talking point a bit because by god there's a lot to talk about uh rio you get shot and it turns out it's toy issues and rio dies there and then uh when he dies uh he turns into a link chain uh, of his name which joins with uh link chain that Mabu uh, left behind earlier because he did similarly uh, along with the four dishes of hope which, which he had kept presumably in the similar fashion as how Kazuki kept his uh, shell on the back um, so small you know bit of pill there but they are still links they are still bound together in the circles that we've seen before so that, however, leaves now the next problem, which is that, yes, they do indeed have the five dishes of hope now, which turns to a golden one. But bear in mind, of course, what I told you before about episode nine, and this is actually another one of the only convenient ways in which us doing these two episodes back-to-back helps. Chikai uh, is dead, and Toy wants him back. Toy was going to use the dishes of hope to help his brother while he was alive. Now that he's dead, do you think that's changed? I don't think so. And he's got a gun in his hand. So here's your choice. Kai or Enter. And Kazuki, you know, he resists. Uh, Siri, in Enter's head, who's collapsed at this point, starts counting down to his death, uh, which I'm really glad did not end with a weird, like, you know, ringing noise, like you're just checking, you know, you've not overdone your eggs or some shit. Um, and, of course, once again, because Ikahara is a psychic vampire, as soon as it hits, you know, zero on the timer, we cut to credits. But then, of course, we have the post credit sequence in which Kazuki made the decision... Spent the, spent the dish, and Enter is back. He's alive. Toy, to, to his credit, to his absolute maturity here, and I really appreciate this as a moment for him, given all the shit he's been through, mm-hmm. he says that in, in, in Point San Kazuki's shoes, he'd have done the exact same thing to use the dish rope to save him. And I really, really like that moment. Like, holy shit, that's, like, he doesn't hate Kazuki for what he's done because he can see and understand and empathize with him how he would, what he would have done there. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. But it doesn't mean, unfortunately, he's still not in a bad place. And that's about the point where Otter goes, commence the plan. Let's, let's you know, bring about the end of the world. And so they, you know, airdrop Dark Kepi onto the bridge and Dark Kepi makes with the tentacles, insert your own hentai joke here, uh, and grabs Toy. Uh, and Kazuki tries to help pull him away from Dark Epi. But the otters at this point pull the same skit with um, Toy as they did with Enter by taking on the former Chikai Man. and saying, let's just cut your circles here, you'll sever all your useless connections. Fuck them. And, and Toy just gives in and lets himself be absorbed into Dark Epi. Mm-hmm. Uh, ending the episode. Um, fuck. So once again, everything's gone to rat shit. How will it be all like settled? In one more episode. I, I really do have to say, though, like, although I did point out before that, you know, technically eliminating Maru from the timeline should have undone the events of the show, 
I really now actually hope that my original theory of Kepi being undone for the timeline doesn't happen because then it would, of course, not make sense for it to happen. You get the point. But anyway, holy fuck. Like, for, for a show that is relatively short as it is, I don't think it's even a full 12 episodes. I think the mm-hmm. next one, the, fi- the finale, is this week. Yes. Um, yes. Holy fuck. Holy, <laughs> yeah. Like, there's so much in it. I, I don't even, but... Woo! All right. So, we've talked both these episodes now. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, hopefully, I've done a reasonably decent job of covering them. Again, mm-hmm. I apologize I took Bridget. And if there's anything important I've missed, please feel free to mention in the comments anything that might be relevant. But now let's get to talking points. Uh, do you want to go first, Doc? Because I have been gabbing on for a bit. Uh, so I, I haven't written a lot of stuff down, but while you were talking, because I was a bad I was a bad watcher this week. I only got to watch once. Didn't take any notes. It's, I got lazy, lazy on vacation to do my due diligence. But you've been lazy on vacation. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this. That's entirely the right thing to do. What are you talking about? It's true, uh, but I did too. Listen, Sars and my is all business. You gotta, mm. you can't approach it as an enjoyable. It's just business. You have mm. to coldly. I did. so. Kepi, here's a question I have, and I think it was Emily Gogo Atomic Robot in chat that brought this up, but I'll ask you. Um. When uh, Rayo got shot by Toy, or who did he, is who did he get shot by? Rayo got shot by Toy. Yes. Okay. So Rayo got shot by Toy. Um, sorry, there was like a lot of people getting shot. <laughs> so it's like, wait a minute, who shot? Yeah, don't don't go to it. Like um, I said, don't use this accuser, folks. Like if this is meant to be a tourist <laughs> thing, this location's cool. There's just gang violence everywhere. Should, and the corrupt. The tour bus is like. And this is where this character was shot. And to your right, this is where this character was shot. Up ahead, we have the spot where this other character was shot. So, See that boat? Took him two <laughs> weeks to get the bloodstains off the top. Took a lot of scrubbing. Um, and here's the garbage pile that we filmed. <laughs> the soccer oh, spot. God. So, like, when that happened, um, Kepi seemed to be, like, fairly casual. Like, he wasn't, like, oh, my God this is sad or even particularly eventful. Do you think that this is just his nature or do you think that he knows that there's some way to bring back our favorite um, law enforcement duo? Do you, do you mean like the reason why Ty shot him? The, re- the reason why Kepi didn't look too fussed about it. Like he seemed pretty like, well, we got to move on and keep doing stuff <laughs> we can't linger here is it the mm-hmm. urgency of the situation is it like Kepi's just a chill dude or is it like it's not a big deal uh... because i can bring them back to life once i merge with dark Kepi and have all my power back well I mean, that might be a little bit I'm, of a cop-out but I, i'm just gonna for the moment just ascribe it to the urgency of the situation okay um, that's at least until we see the next episode just because they could indeed be more time to give Ray and Marbu a proper center. It doesn't need to happen right there and then. Mm-hmm. But it could, in theory, happen next episode if they are not returned to life subsequently. Um, but yeah, I'd go with the urgency because it would probably... I mean, that's where the, the drama then focuses on. Like, it shifts over to Toy uh, entering Kazuki. And if we just had Kepi doing his own thing, like, on the side... Uh, yeah, he said go to sleep for now, I think he, he mentioned. Yeah, uh, just yeah. To pick up from... So, I can understand why that was not given to your promise because it would 
probably shift the drama dramatic focus away too much from what really was happening, which is, oh yeah, Ty's still got a gun, his brother is dead, and there's mm-hmm. the means in which to bring him back. Like it would feel a bit weird to like take you probably be a bit off on the pacing side of things. So. Yeah. And to be fair, I mean this poor boy has been tormented for a long time. So that's a you know for from a, a yokai, you know, that's probably a fair response in some ways to you know him finally getting to rest, possibly be with Mabu uh again. Mm-hmm. Like So yeah, yeah, I mean either way uh like I said, Kepi is pretty casual about it, but mm. um, well, I think it might also tie into the idea of you know connections being persistent even after death, because I hope so. That like, and Enter himself says, you know, like Skazki, like at the point where it seems like there is no coming back for them after he smashes the fifth dish of hope. Like you know, I still want to keep our connection, our future together, rather than have it be eliminated entirely. And I think this ties back into the idea that was discussed previously that the Swan brought from, I think you mentioned one of Ikara's interviews where he said that loss is necessary as a means of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, changing and growing. I can't remember the exact words that were said, and maybe that's a part of it. Yeah, not not forgetting. Um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he was saying like, ah, oh, like it's, there's been this, like, forget all of our pain and just look to the future, but forgetting like there's no future in forgetting loss like loss is important to have as as if you've experienced it like to integrate it into the rest of your life is important yeah uh we're not talking by the way about the control i'll tell just to clarify mm-hmm. <clears throat> so all right talking points from me uh i'm gonna start with the stuff on direction because i want to speak about episode nine's direction in particular uh I fucking love the, the touches in this episode. I'm going to start with the hospital. There's no one in this hospital apart from, uh, you know, Kazuki, uh, Kazuki, sorry, Enter's sister and Enter's grandmother. Uh, Enter himself, of course, being in the, in the thing, and then you've got the two cops. But the lighting is low. It's ominous. It looks like a horror, a horror mm-hmm. game level. There's no one there. There's no doctors. Uh, I think there's only one brief insert of a nurse that pops in and just like you know calls over for uh, Enter's sister to come see him. Uh, the cops, in particular, are faceless, and that like you don't see them personified in any way. You just see them at sharp angles that only shows like their body or their legs. That's it. They are because they are now just nameless automata from under the control of the otters, and maybe that's you know. A reflection on Ikahara's own feeling on police culture. Because hmm. let's be quite honest here: if you took Saren Samai as a tit, as a text or a scripture or a critique of the police, the police are shit. <laughs> they're pretty useless. But, <laughs> fuck the police. Yeah, they're all sh- they're all shit. So Ikahara has like an ACAB tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, uh, and then we get other things as well, like when um, when Shikai shoots Massa. Uh, when Toy is looking in, then the camera starts shaking a little bit because he's obviously very disoriented. Small touch like that. Uh, that was really nice. Uh, enter, sorry, Kazuki, when he's in the hospital, is always framed at a distance off from sharp oblique angles to help see, sell how unsettling this is. Uh, at the riverside, when we've got the long shot of Toy on this side and Chikai on this side, on the mm-hmm. side that Toy is on, the riverside is lit up. There are like overhead lights. But there are none on Chikai's side. 
So as he's walking towards Shakai, it's a visual metaphor for him joining his brother and possibly, you know, and getting involved or going too far into that criminal world. He's a guy who lives in darkness, his brother. Well, Toy still has the opportunity to, you know, be inside the light, so to speak. I, the, and then of course the wine, the wine glass shattering. Holy crap! The opening montage, God. like of, you know. Kazuki being sh in a pillar of light that makes him look like he's guilty for it, that makes it, you know, expresses his own feelings on it. The ending scene of, um, of Chikai on the boat, where he smears, you know, both Toy's face and the money with blood, you know, it's on it making him, Toy in some way responsible for what's happened, while also showing that money is what it really is blood money, quite literally. So many little things in this fucking episode. Dude. I was stunned by it. And I probably even covered half of them. I'm sure there are people in the chat and people like Emily, for example, Emily Rand, who could probably point to other things in there that help accentuate this. But this is the stuff that I always like to praise because it's the thing that helps texture and enhance storytelling. Mm -hmm. All these little visual cues. Like, we're right there with Kazuki in a way that's just beyond, you know, us feeling empathy or, you know, being invested in Enter as a character, just from the mood of the place. It's absolutely stunning. Takahushi's the fucking man. <laughs> Enough said. Like I'll buy him a pint. That makes four points. That makes four points I know to, uh, you know, directors of anime, two of which were for, you know, that lady who did the only good episodes of Darling in the Franks. <laughs> that's right. Yes. It's true. Oh. I'm a man of my word. I will get those pints in for those people if ever I meet. Did you? Uh... I know. I know. I know. Japan's an alcoholic place. I know they love their salarymen drinking. They habits. do. I yeah. will be there. I will be there, and I'll get you a kirin or an acai or whatever your local liquor is. Strong zero, please. Um, did you see <laughs> what what Aki said in chat that like they've deleted? the Reo Mabu Twitter account. Fucking... Sh God, like, that's a fucking low blow, man. Jesus, I don't... I can understand not posting anymore, but deleting it. Like, God. <laughs> They're really not coming back, I guess. <laughs> the Twitter account's maybe, gone. Fuck. Maybe, maybe it's a release and they unfortunately discovered alt-right Twitter and said, fuck this shit, I'm out yeah. of here. <laughs> let's hope. Let's, let's hope. So, and there's but a man, that's, 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 a, that's, a, that's a meta move, and I approve of that. And then Holy crap. When they come back to life, they're like, now we're on Instagram. <laughs> Less trolls. Oh, God. <laughs> <sighs> I would be okay with an Instagram account that's just entirely Rayo and Mabu living their best lives. Just cooking. Just cooking and, like, dumb poses. Mabu has a bakery where he makes nothing but auto-shaped snacks. Yep, yep. And, like... Rayo feeding him like candidates of one of them falling. Uh, it'd be great. <laughs> be superb. We need it. We need Hell this. Yes. We just need to read this manga. Um Okay, yeah, Takauchi, incredible. Um What's your next? Hit me up with your next point. Okay. Let's let's do the big one here. Uh let's talk about gay tragedy. Oh boy. Okay, so usual disclaimer here, just for people who may not know, and because I think it's always important to restate credentials, uh, because ultimately, 
Uh, I'm going to preface this with a little talk about how you probably should not actually be listening to us for any of this shit. Uh, there is a wealth of, you know, material on Sounds of Might and other works of this nature uh, by LGBTQ plus people, um, which you should. I mean, I appreciate, obviously, everyone who's here listening to us. I really, really do thank you, so all of you, for that. But I have to say, like, you know, if you want a proper and honest and, you know, genuine and in-depth look into that kind of content, you probably should not be approaching two white cishet guys on the internet for it. Just just going to throw that yep. out there. Uh, but again, speak to our, our yeah, own... to our limited, yeah. limited experiences, yeah, and our limited worldviews. Uh, but again, that doesn't mean, I, of course, don't appreciate everyone who's in chat here and who's been listening to us talk about stars. Mm-hmm. My and indeed, banana fish and the other stuff we've covered as well. Thank you all very much for that. Cheers. Um, so it has been brought up in elsewhere, and I've seen it brought up by Trixie in this chat here. Um, the idea of gay tragedy is like, in stories like this, gay characters don't get to live; they don't get to live happily ever after. And that, I mean, you can make the argument. In some sense, I suppose that Rayo and Marbu in the present timeline, when they were cops, have never, like, you know, lived their best lives. Um, that their time ended when the- Marbu died uh, the first time around at the invasion of the Kappa Empire. You could call it that. Um, but it is a thing in fiction, I think, that maybe that's happening. Because it- here's the thing. Rayo Marbu's story is presented here, I think is phenomenal. I think it's excellent. I think there's so much to take away from the idea of, you know, letting something go mm-hmm. and you know knowing when you've had your time and not artificially extending it or taking it long you know taking on for longer than it should do you know mo- some some life is only some, sometimes just a sequence of moments some of them are so magical but at the same time doesn't mean you should like keep them going forever because then you'll end up you know ruining them i mean rayo's leak in this very same episode is a very clear you know to me uh, example of how he ultimately hated this whole arrangement. For the briefest moment, he believed he did have Marbu back because he got the you know the bait, the bait treats right. Mm-hmm. The rest of the time, he's been very dismissive of him as a doll. So, I guess maybe you could say yeah. like, if you wanted to argue, you could say, well, he had a purpose still, right? I mean, he had something to keep him going, which was this like chase the dishes kind of deal but i mean ultimately that purpose was like having his love co-opted by this evil fucking empire and (laughs) used to like perpetrate a lot of tragedy and Mm -hmm. sending people into non-existence to like fuel these uh so i don't yeah yeah, I'm not, it, mm. this goes back to Banana Fish as well because we had this discussion in the final episode, you know, which was why can't Ash and Agee be together? Why can't? But why though? So? Why? No, because no, yeah. and when I see that, I'm not. I'm not talking about in the confines of the story. Mm-hmm. Like this is again going back to the idea of something called diegesis, which is not or diegesis, which is not a thing that goes in, you know, a probiotic yoga. It's not one of those culture shit things. Uh, it is, you know, how you construct a story and what ultimately happens as a result. And here's the thing, right? In Saranzamai and in Banana Fish, when I say there's nothing stopping Rayo and Marbu or Ash and Eiji from being together and being happy, I'm not talking about the in-universe reasons for that. Like, you know, oh, they could have done something to kill the RO, they could have killed Golzine, you know, at some point. I'm literally talking that if the authors of these stories wanted these characters to live happily ever after, they simply could have written that any so which way they wish. It's true. 
fiction is not something that grows out of the ground, you know, and then it just comes up in whatever shape yeah. or form that you think it is. Yep. It doesn't happen like that. It is a carefully crafted construct. So going back to the idea of gay tragedy, people have pointed out that there's a, an excess of stories in which gay characters are featured quite prominently, but they come to unfortunate and tragic ends. Um, and that's not fair because, you know, there should be more depictions of them winning through the day and being able to live their lives afterwards in that kind of endless ending thing that I've discussed many times where we can imagine them living happily. We don't need the specifics of them doing it, but we can certainly imagine them living their best lives, as has been said. So, look, I'll just, I'll end it here, right? Because I'm not going to offer an opinion one way or another on this because I am, again, must stress, very unqualified to actually offer a genuine thought on this. I'm going to acknowledge the existence of the problem here I personally think that Rayo and Marbu have been fantastic characters, fantastic gay characters as well. But if someone said to me that they weren't happy with their fate because they felt it was a continuing trend in fiction, being, even in just in anime, of gay characters meeting unfortunate because the writers, for some reason, have this... When I say writers, the collective writers of, like, you know, this kind of fiction, can't imagine happiness for them then I won't disagree with them because I think that's an entirely valid interpretation. But as someone who is this set, I'm ultimately unqualified to offer a deeper look at it. Mm. All I'm going to say is that like, you know, if you want to, if you are aware of this concept, I would very strongly suggest you actually speak to LGBTQ plus people who have watched Sirens, my already banana fish or anything like that, or even other shows that feature this and just see if you can get their thoughts on it. Don't take, don't take our, you know, opinion on its own as sacrosanct or, you know, holistic on that, shall we say. I do think it's worth bringing up because, like I say, Rayo Marbu's story, in, for me, fantastic. Loved it. But that doesn't mean, you know, that other people might not think to themselves, oh, good God, like this again? Why can't we have this, you know, end happily for them? Mm -hmm. Never mind also that Enter and uh, Kazaki are never going to be a thing by the show's own fiction. Do you think? Do you think not? I, I don't think so. Um, after all, if enter, you know, like if he well, believed, if he truly believed that, he would have given the dish of hopes to the art. That's true. Like, so I think uh, in his heart of hearts, he's accepted it. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's him accepting it, or maybe that's just him saying the real Kazuki would never say this. So this is how I know you're a fake. Uh, but I fake still, but I still secretly hope that we can one day become an item, maybe. Um, I, I guess, you know, I mean, since this is a story with a lot of gay characters, like, you know, I don't want to, I guess it would be too flippant to say, like, some of them were bound to end in tragedy, like, but, like, I don't know, I get, do, do you think, do you think that they met their end like do, do, do you think it could be read as some kind of punishment um do you mean, do you mean for them to be villains or because they're gay uh because I mean, what's, the, what's the punishment for why, well why it feels they like they're being punished for loving each other i guess in some ways well here's the thing i would argue you're right they are being punished for loving each other indeed that's the whole reason why mabu disappears because he says he loves Rayo, that's the heart thing. But bear in mind what in the un in the in the fiction, 
caused that to happen. That was the otter. Mm-hmm. The very clearly, you know, evil, for lack of a better term, you know, the antagonistic mm-hmm. force, the thing that is clearly shown as, you know, inferior to genuine love and affection. So they are being punished, but the punishment is coming from a source that is not something we are ultimately sympathizing with. I think that's the key difference there. Yeah, but it's like, you know, how many how many good causes will be like, uh, you know, uh, given visibility on the back of like gay characters' corpses? Not to put like too dramatic of a, a point on it, but like, do you know, like, of of course, like. You, you say like the show is trying to like use this to to illustrate this point about oppressive systems and you know kind of the boxes they force us into and the way they make us think and behave and like Emily was saying and other people have talked about I think Jacob Chapman as well like the way that um, you know the way that gay men feel like that they ought to behave or that is you know, acceptable behavior, appropriate behavior, or whatever. Um, like, these are all good, like, things to have in your show, good themes. But I definitely would see after a while <laughs> as an LGBTQ person saying, like, well, can't we emphasize these in some other way than, like, by mm-hmm. killing, you know... Killing queer people who love each other? Like, uh, is there not some other way? Um, yeah. But because, like you I said, mean... it's a it's a deliberate um, construction. So, mm-hmm. but, I mean, yeah, it, like you say, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, like, best positioned to judge uh, this kind of thing. And I don't even have, like, a good kind of sense of the scope of this in anime, which is a mm. medium I think I'm fairly familiar with, but I could learn more and still get more knowledge in terms of like that kind yeah. of thing. Indeed. Um, Emily, uh, go, go, robot is actually, I think self crystallized by false, which is a, let's put it this way, right? Depictions of any LGBTQ plus character period have been very minimal. I would argue mm-hmm. um, again, my perception on that is limited. I don't have a scene as much as I otherwise could have done. Um, so take that just as my perspective and not the objective truth. So now we are getting more of them, and that's good. But when we go from having very little to having more, but then the, the perception, again, I don't know if this is reality, just take as my own perspective, is that most of them always meet a bad end. That doesn't. That's not exactly the progressive change we want. Really. Mm-hmm. Arguably, the way it should work is that you start getting more, you know, gaming and have them have happy endings, and then you start blending into a, you know, a mixture across the spectrum as it would be with straight people at the moment in depiction in media, you know, where they have good and bad ends, me all over the shop, all kinds of things. Let's at least get started on a good note and then we can get more diverse endings rather than progressing from a bad place to a better place hmm. in very relative terms. Maybe that's the thing. Uh, but again, yeah. I would very strongly stress that you should probably speak with people who are LGBTQ plus as opposed to me or doc, no defense to doc, uh, Ask myself even because I'm just trying to be honest with my perspective, my limited. Deeply abilities. offended. Um, deeply offended. Deeply, not like deeply, extreme, uh, but not broadly. Well, it's a narrow, well, 
deep <laughs> trench of a fence. Well, here, let me give you the twins. <laughs> that that was the healing ointment that I needed. <laughs> we, did Zyvox, Zyvox, could you do a fucking graph for us if you're still our intern? I don't know if you're still clanging about the office. Do a fucking I'll graph get... of like tragic romances, uh, you know, versus happy romances, the percentages in het and then non-het, and then give us give us that raw data, baby. And then we can be like, coming at you with the objectivity, yo. And, you know, we can we can then... He's the last person I would ask to be objective. <laughs> so you might be barking up the wrong tree there. Anyway, um, that's all I'm going to say on that particular topic. Enter and Kazuki, there's, and Toy. We have hope for you. We still have hope for you. Um, but, like, you know, I'm going to go the other way here on the uh, point. Uh, mm-hmm. that I was just making. Um, you know, it is it is kind of poetic. Uh, like, just looking at the the whole arc of Ryo and Mabu, like, how... I mean, first of all... Let me... Okay. I'm going in a million different directions here. Let me try to synthesize all these different threads. Um... I, man, it's the the decision that Mabu had to make, right? Like, to under, to, to have to sever his connection to his lover and hate him to exist in this total, like, it appeared he was indifferent, the show, but he mm. had to hate him. He had to be like, this is loathsome to me. Um, you're, you're pre- But to, to feel like, if I do this, at least the physical proximity between me and my, my partner could be of some comfort to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he knew about the dishes. I don't think that they figured into his play he was just like i'm playing the long game and one day he'll dish me out of this i think it was just like look i just want to be if i can just be close to him however if i can make him happy yeah however it is i'm feeling like misguided misguided mm -hmm. it wasn't yeah because that's what he wants to do wants to make him happy but it didn't end up doing that it made him miserable it, it it did and in the end mabu like his eyes were open to all the how miserable it made him, and yeah, and with his so, last acts, he made him happy. Yeah, and that you know, it's like the only way, the only way they could be together, in any kind of sense of the word, would be, I guess, both dying, both, you know, moving on to whatever is after this life, and. Yeah, I mean that's God. Like, it's 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 a lot, man. It's a it's a it's a hell of an arc. Um, like you, I really really liked it. Uh, mm. And I yeah, agree. When I oh, sorry, go ahead. When when I say like you know that this potentially could be a problem with the show uh, and the more the landscape that we exist in now, at least as far as anime is concerned, and possibly why the fiction. I mean, I know that people have mentioned, for example. 
the last two Avengers movies kind of erasing any, you know, queer coding or queer readings between, say, Cap and Bucky and all that. Mm -hmm. But that's a different topic for a different day, for a different podcast entirely, probably not hosted by us, but anyway. Uh, point, be point being is that it hasn't diminished my enjoyment of Saren's Mind. I still think it's fantastic. I think that the arc that Rayo and Marbu have gone through and the conclusions to their story was fantastic. Yes. I thought it was, I th I thought it was brilliant. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean I can't appreciate that other people might find it problematic, especially getting that wider landscape. And I felt that, you know, it wasn't, it's probably a good thing for me to at least mention and bring up that but can at least be aware of that because it's not as simple as, you know, you know, I say the show's good and everyone else thinks it's good and everyone's happy. Right. Opinions are complicated and critiquing shows is complicated. And, um, and, I'm sorry, you finish. I'm sorry. No, carry on. I'm no, going to let on. you finish. I'm going to let you finish. All right. Uh, no, carry on, Kanye. <laughs> Don't make me go west for you. The Beyonce video is should have won. I still believe that's true. Um, yeah, I think off the back of what you just said, us being uh, critical of these aspects or just pointing out like their potential problematic nature to us or to other groups of people, like is not also us saying, "Well, this is bad now." This whole anime is fucking bad. Or Ruined. this Ruined. is bad. Canceled. These characters, yes, cancel this shit. Ikuhara, canceled. Uh, fucking anime, Japan, canceled. No, like, uh, <laughs> canceled we're canceling Japan. <laughs> yes. It's not going to be on the map anymore. <laughs> the, the, the Japanese, like, defense forces out there, like, tried to shield, you know, the, oh, the word cancel is descending <sighs> nah, on nah, us. <laughs> no, it's just a dude with Sharpie just drawing a giant X through the <laughs> island to Japan. <laughs> so, like, so, yeah, I, I don't, I'm sorry, I just, I read a blog post last night that was very much like, this kind of thing is taking all the fun out of anime. I just want to talk about the cool shit I liked and everyone talking mm -hmm. politics and everyone talking about problematic and dissecting things is taking the fun out. It's like, I don't know, well, first, like, this is fun, and also, like, we're not saying... I mean, I like a bunch of problematic shit, and we say it all the time, like, media is just problematic, and... Yeah, why not both? Why can, why can we not address the fact that it might be problematic while still saying this is a fun and enjoyable show where things like Kepi getting mm -hmm. run over by Caphimus Prime? <laughs> Caphimus Prime. Oh, yes. Okay, sorry. Go Carry on, then. That was a, that was a uh, side tangent. That's about all I really want to say in the match. I suppose it's now mm -hmm. a good time for me to wish everyone a very happy Pride. Uh, I don't know if you people find that tasteful after the fact, but yeah, no. Um, I mean, like I say... But happy Pride, like, seriously. Yeah, happy Pride, everyone. Um, I was actually going to do a separate podcast about this with Doc at some point, but I'll just briefly mention something that I want to bring up about uh, LGBTQ plus content as a straight man. Um, here's the thing, right? And I'm gonna. There is gonna be a caveat to this. If there's one thing I really appreciate about content that's written um, with LGBTQ characters in it, is that for the most part, except the caveat, they're never written in mind with a straight audience as in to try and pander to them. Now, what do I mean by this? So, how many times have I banged my proverbial drum about fan service? How many times have I banged that saying like, "Look, here's a female character. I'm meant to be taking this seriously." but the camera's angled and it is. And that means that I shouldn't take it seriously and subsequently should not take the work seriously because it is not taking me as an audience member seriously. Seems fair, you know. 
you don't have a dissonant camera angle. You know, you don't have a camera work against the tone of the scene. Mm-hmm. Simple mm-hmm. as that. Now, the caveat I'm making here is that there is, of course, LG Plus content that is very, you know, fan servicey. If you watch Yuri on Ice, for example, I'm fairly confident if you were, you know, uh, <clears throat> if you if you were a gay LG Plus, like you would probably find, you know, all that stuff very appealing to you. And indeed, there can be times, you know, when the fan service can happen, but we can still have genuinely serious and interesting plots happen. It doesn't write them off immediately. Otherwise, Macross Frontier to me would be cancelled as well. Even though that, as you rightly pointed out... How dare you? How dare you? (laughs) Here's the point I'm basically getting at is that, you know, for me, as a straight fan, like, one of the reasons I'm starting to get more and more into watching LG Plus content is just simply because most of the time it's not made in such a way as to basically talk down to me. If I ever watch a show where I'm going to be taking a female character seriously and it's literally just framing her in such a way as to be sexualized when that's not the point of the scene, that to me just says that it's not meant to be taken, the show itself isn't being taken seriously because it doesn't think much of me as a person. Mm. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. So to for myself, to LGBTQ plus content creators out there from where you may be, you keep doing what you're doing because you're doing fantastic work. You're doing work so well to the point that it makes me, a straight person, want to come more to you for my content rather than people of my own sexuality because I can at least, you know, not have to worry about what level they're trying to talk to me at. I know it sounds like a bit of weird appropriation there, but I just felt I should say that. Uh, Yeah, I mean, hard agree. Um, I follow a bunch of content creators uh, of LGBTQIA plus a persuasion. And like, yeah, they, they're incredible. They're, I mean, they're super inspiring and um, are doing fantastic work and more power to them. And, you know, I guess uh, when I say content creator, the first thing that pops in my head is YouTube, but like other anime podcasters and bloggers and everything like mm. that, like, you know, like, uh, y'all are just doing uh, such tremendous work and deserve to be highlighted this month. So, um, happy pride to all of y'all and keep indeed keep rocking, nonstop rocking. Absolutely. Um, Mira's mentioned about what we're going to do next season. Uh, we've not actually discussed this yet, so we probably no. should uh, no. right after this podcast ends. But that's going to happen off air. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we'll certainly take those suggestions to heart. Uh, right. Uh, Felix has asked, by the way, if you've got any recommendations uh, on what you just said, Doc, just before we go off into the next talk. Sure. Um, for uh, YouTube, I would say, like, there are, gosh, ContraPoints always, like, number one with a bullet for me there. I think Natalie uh, is an incredible, like, filmmaker and an excellent explainer of all kinds of really complicated and controversial topics. Um mm in a way that, like you said, it's not like talking down to you and it's not taking your level of knowledge for granted. Um, and it's very entertaining. And also I always learn something. Uh, and as far as podcasters, I mean, our buddies anime is lit. Uh, yes. Are like in- always num- numero uno go to like 
podcast recommendation. They are yeah. incredible anime analytical folks who have a lot of fun. If I if I may interject again, just to uh, again bring up something that uh, K of Anime has once said to me, and it's given me more confidence, even if I am being a bit you know bullheaded about it, possibly not approaching the topics with the delicacy that they deserve. She did once say to me, uh, following our Devilman Crybaby collaboration, that you know it's not a good idea to treat queerness as unknowable, to be afraid to tackle it as a straight person. Mm-hmm. And that's stuck with me ever since. It's one of the most profound things someone said to me in the past couple of years. And it's helped give me the you know, confidence to try and tackle this sort of stuff. I might also really not be very good at it. I'm not going to pretend that you know that I'm any authority on anything, except head shaving. You, know, you get the big razor, you go over a couple of times, it looks great afterwards. Really shiny. You can see it works well for me. But uh, nonetheless, that has stuck me since then. So again, like I can wholeheartedly get behind that recommendation. Absolutely. I need to just make a Twitter thread for this because I'm really bad at coming <laughs> off like things off the top of my head. Well, yeah, go, yeah. go. We we should do that. We absolutely should. We um, should. I mean, I would I would certainly set, uh, check out uh, Jake Chapman's work as well. I believe. Um, yes. Definitely. Jake has been covering um, Saren Zemai as well, so mm-hmm. I definitely go to him for. Um, for yeah, he's on that. Like he is always, uh, you know, his reputation in the anime community is very complicated. There's he has a lot of, like, for some reason, bad blood with people. I mean, well, I say bad blood. That that is evocative of like a two way thing. But I think a lot of people have issues with with him for a lot of different reasons of which I find silly and, but you know, I wasn't involved in the history and the community, but for, for a long time, I mean, he's been writing just fantastic. He's on YouTube now doing stuff. Um, I haven't mm-hmm. caught his YouTube analyses, um, but I know like his writing is uh, the way that he breaks things down is uh, really fucking incredible. Um but yeah, I mean, I'll have to like put together because there are people in games, there are podcasters, YouTubers, um, that I need to like get links for and do do a thread. Um, so yes, are there any other? But yeah, we'll do that. Uh, seamless transition back to Sarazamai and queer, <laughs> queer creator Kunihiko Kuhara. Uh, are there any? Um, are there any? Do you have any more? What's your next talking point? I I do actually. All right, bring it. Um, so let's talk about the ending montage of episode nine, which features Chikai and Toy. I found this really fascinating for one reason. It's something I brought up the last time we did a double episode, uh, in which I unfortunately decided to have a bit too much of you know the classic Russian sauce. Uh, ha ha ha! Jaden's a, a raging alcoholic, and that's not true. There's no such thing alcoholic. as too much. There is no such thing as too I'm just a regular alcoholic, not a raging one. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I did bring up in that particular episode was the fact that Sarans and my differentiates between the facts that, you know, we as people will not want to willingly give up our secrets or our uh, perspectives or our thoughts right away to people, whereas it might often be in our best interest to do that. But it also, again, distinguishes, as I said, between the idea of, you know, the camera, uh, the omniscient view that we have of um, of works, like, uh, versus what we see through things like the flashbacks and the leaks and the otters doing their shtick, you know, which are subject to certain varying degrees of dubiousness, the leaks being generally the most objective. But I'll ask you a question, Doc, right? Let's just speak back to Banana Fish for a second. Would, like, 
in universe, there is nothing in Banana Fish to suggest to you, for example, that any point what you saw we saw as the audience was ever false. No. And I'm talking like as in like, oh, Ash's hair was actually brown when it, we've always seen it to be blonde. No, nope. that's the kind of that's the kind of like contract between audience and filmmaker, and I mean that in the very general term of being television to animation to whatever. That what you see on screen, unless there is an in-universe diegetic reason for it, can be taken as a given. Mm-hmm. But Saren to my Wood's the Wars buddies the Wars of that a little bit because we have, of course, flashbacks. We have what the characters choose to present to each other. We have what they are forced to present to each other through the leaks. And then we come to this ending montage. Now, if I asked you to rate Chikai as a person like, on what you think of him as a character, I'd say that he's probably a bit of a bastard. He does, after all, kill a man in cold blood for the crime of being too innocent and pure for this world to live. That was some fucking shit. We did not spend any That's... time on that, but... No, like, we, did, we, we didn't, but we're going to that... do that now. That was, did you feel in any way that that was like a bit of a cheap, a cheap thing for the show to do? Like, oh, we got to, got to drum up some ill feeling for Chikai uh, because we've, it is we've been, with his character. <laughs> we've been, I guess so. Um, it's, uh, it pushes the bounds of that a little bit. I, I mean, just because, I mean, I, in terms of what we see on screen. Like, do you remember him killing a lot of innocent? Dudes? I mean, I know he's like a like a hard ass and shit, but um, and he's he like only only the bad people live. Uh, but goddamn, I mean, you'd think his brother would have seen him do something like that before. Now it seemed to really shock him. Um, you know, I guess I mean he's protected him and hasn't been by his side for yeah. a while. Lu- like Lucy in chat is correct. That's pretty much the reason he was covering his tracks. Yeah. Oh, totally. Like a hundred percent. Um, and his philosophical justification was just kind of a whatever. Like, um, and then, I mean, it makes sense. Like, it's the logical thing for the criminal to do. I guess it it just felt jarring to me. Like because that whole episode, and then his thing, you know, with specs with Enta. Mm-hmm. Like he felt like you know. Man, here's a kid who's been dragged into this like against his will a little bit, and he's had to adapt to live. But he's not a bad guy at heart. But like, that was like shit that a bad guy at heart does. You know what well, I mean? Well, here's the thing, though. You actually saying all of that is actually very good because they build up to a point I'm going to make now. So let's talk about this montage, right? This montage is not, um, digestively speaking, any part of the show's fiction. It's not a leak. It's not flashback. We have the little titles that appear on the top of the screen. It's not something the otters have done. It just happens as part of the show's uh, you know, framing. It's part of that unspoken contract, the omniscient perspective that we can take as given is true. Would you agree with that thus far? Say again. Right, so the... Sorry, I lost her. Right, I'm so sorry. The, the montage at the end, right? Mm-hmm. It isn't a leak. It isn't a flashback like with that little title we see at the top. Right. It isn't something the otters have done. It's just the omniscient camera, the unspoken, you know, understanding of the audience that what we're seeing is true. Mm-hmm. Or what the show wants to present okay. to us. Yep. Mm-hmm. You I would agree? So. I okay. think so. So let me re- let me ask you this, right? We've seen that Chikai has had various shades to him. Like sometimes he is a caring brother. Indeed, we see the picture he pulls out at the very end, which just has toy in it and the rest of it's been scribbled out with sharpie that was the thing that he cared about the most never mind anything else even though it was a picture of his family in the sober shop who cares um 
But, but, this montage, would you agree with the point that this is the show trying to present the final images of him as how he, the show wants us to remember him? You know, ultimately, he was a good person who then fell to a dark end. Because it is again, it's not from Toy's perspective. It's not his flashback. It's not, you know, a leak or anything like that. It's the show's mm-hmm. own presentation of him as a person when they were younger. The yeah. final things that we see of him uh, while he's just alive for that brief moment before then, of course, we have the closing scene of Toy throwing the money away. Yeah, that I think is the show trying to say this is how the sh- I the show mm-hmm. and proper more as I see it side wants you to remember this character. Do yeah. you think he was right to do that? Do you think that it's accurate for it to do that? Given all he's done? That ultimately, you know, that's what he should be remembered as? Or at least, you know, that there was a good side to him after all the horrible things that happened that he was complicit in? I mean, I think it's probably fair for us to do that with most people. Um hmm. He was a, com- I mean, he was a complicated guy. Um, you know, Trickster in chat says that the point of it was that at one point he was irredeemable, but by this point in the show, he was irredeemable and Toy couldn't save him. So this is getting away from your question a little bit, but like, that's what I mean. Like, it feels like. To, to me, watching the show, I felt like he was redeemable. Right? I mean, I didn't. I didn't feel like he was irredeemable any point before he shot his his gang little brother. Um, at that point, I was like, "Well, they're trying to like force the issue of him being mm-hmm. irredeemable, of him being a a true bastard." Well, the the, mon- the montage itself, I would argue, is redemption for him. Not, not in the sense of like what happens right there and then, but rather that, you know, it to the audience at least redeems him in our eyes with the good things that he did when he was younger, because that's yeah. all we see. And as I mean, like I say, it's not a flashback. It's not something the characters say, because there's a very established routine of that, of the way it appears on the top and on the bottom with the title, flashback, seaweed, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Yep. It ain't a leak. This is flashback, a distinct seaweed. thing. It's a, it's a distinct thing. So that's why it makes me think that this is the show's own objective, quote-unquote, uh, appraisal of Chikai at the end, that at least in the past, if not the present, he was a good person who ultimately did care about his brother. Mm-hmm. He just had an incredibly shitty way of going about it later in life. But like I say, that's where we see the scene, for example, of him igniting Toy's interest in soccer. Mm-hmm. He even buys him a football. Do you think... That, you know, we talked about be, this being the, the omniscient. Do you, do you think it w- could have been not not the third person omniscient camera, but like Chikai's own, like his life flashing I before his know. eyes, like Lucy I, mentions? I, I genuinely do not think so. Again, for that reason, that there is a very prescribed routine with flashbacks in this show, and that did not happen. If it was a flashback from anyone's perspective, be it toys, Yeah, they do. You're right. They, else, always, you, mm-hmm. they would have done that. But they didn't. They do now, always introduce that, it. That now, way. now, now, now again, maybe that could just be that they forgot to put that in. And it was meant to be that. And it was just literally a flashback, and then not being consistent. 
Or it could be, as I say, which is the show's own way of trying to make this more, you know, objective appraisal of it. Yeah, yeah. I I would doubt that it was just forgetfulness on their part. Like, it would be... I mean, this whole thing about, like, you know, having the cards for flashback, and it, that's that whole thing is very sort of theatrical and feels very deliberate. So mm-hmm. I would think that it was not... Oh man, this was really supposed to be flashback, and we fucked up. Like, I don't, I don't think that that's that is doubtful to me. That's the less probable outcome than what you say. I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, on the whole, like, I guess it's uh good that a person not be like defined by like a few things. As shitty as it was for him to gun, gun down the guy, Masa, uh, mm-hmm. you know, does that like define him as a person? And yeah. and like I it mean, was pointed out in chat, like, and this is helpful for me because the reason, like, you could argue that he did it to cover his own tracks. You could argue that he thought he was too pure for the world, but I think at bottom. Like a really good point that he was killed because he knew that Toy shot the person, and that is the thing yeah. that. Uh, and so, protecting that secret was like the main, the main impetus for doing that. And I mm. guess, as shitty as it is, like in in that sense, that is that's much much less of a. Um, of an evil, selfish sort of thing to do. Um, mm. So, yeah, to answer your question, it, it's probably, yes. It's a, I, th- I think provisionally I will say it is a good that they did yeah. this. Well, just to follow up as well, like when I said before about the idea of works being, you know, carefully, const- most of the time, you know, not always. Sometimes you do make a shit show. Uh, but most of the time, they are carefully constructed works that decide to show us things versus not showing us things. And maybe this montage at the end is counterbalance the very deliberate showing of all the shitty things he's done to this point. Because it's a deliberate decision to present Shikai as a shithead as much as it is to present him in the closing moments of the episode as a good person. So there you go. Hmm. Um, but yeah, food for thought on that one. And I again found it interesting. It reminds us how Saranzamai delineates like different perspectives, like and methods of showing information to us that have degrees of completeness or accuracy. Mm-hmm. And maybe the idea again is that the leak. I mean, we see that with Rayo and Marber. After all, we get like a complete picture of like the post, you know, wake up mechanical heart scene as the episode progresses. It's very deliberate with what it tries to chooses to show us. And indeed, uses that information in, or misinformation rather in Rayo's case to inform his actions uh, throughout the course of the show, like how he hates Marbu. When if he had had the context for it, he would have had a very different reaction. And indeed, that's the whole point of Sarans and Maya as a whole. Like you know that there's so much context that we are derived or you know uh, divorced from with the actions of our fellows that could lead us to you know truly connecting with mm-hmm, them mm-hmm, dare mm-hmm. i say oh word drop yeah i wish i had balloons coming down from the sky now i just start hearing like the price is right uh winning tune i've won a brand new car remember to have your pets spayed and neutered 
Good night, everyone. <laughs> well, anyway, that's me for talking points, pretty much. And again, I'm sure there are plot points and such that I missed. Man, but just a... there's so much shit. Yeah, no, I just... Mm. Uh, and I, I feel bad because I'm sure there's like a bunch of connections and oh no, there is one more thing that I can point okay. out. Okay, okay, I, I can point out. Let's talk about Massa for a second. Uh, you know, brief cameo, sir. You know, dying in this film as it were. <laughs> so uh, like, what? Why the hell are you in an organized crime? <laughs> like, yeah. So here's the thing, right? Massa refers to Chikai as bro, and I thought this was really interesting because, like. Saransamai is also taking a look here at the idea of, you know, like, what truly makes a bro or a brother, like, is it is it, you know, just simply, like, you know, a criminal fraternity thing? Does he view, in turn, Toy as a proper brother? Or is he just a bro? Like, mm. like Master is. What's the, is, what's the relationship? It brings, you know, their own relationships, folks, because anything so, like, one brother here, one brother there, what's the difference? Is there a difference, even? And in the end, I would argue that there was. Um... But it also then reinforces the fact that, you know, Toy Hat rightly has his concerns that he in turn will be disposed of when he becomes a liability to Chikai, that he is only a bro and not mm. an actual brother, so to speak. So I thought that that use of language there was quite interesting. It's just only a small part, but yeah. Master's inclusion there was not simply just as a facilitation to get them the, you know, the ticket out of the city, so to speak, but it was also to bring uh, a kind of lens onto um, Chikai and Toy's relationship that Toy himself then becomes cognizant of. Not just for his death, but also in the way they speak to each other. Uh, we did mention that in episode eight, Felix. Uh, I did not, however, catch the shadows. I should have really been paying attention to this. Uh, on the episode ten, um, so it looks like we're down to one shadow at the end now. So it's just Kazuki on his own. No. Oh man. No. Oh man. Well, to be fair, like. Toy, you know, he's finally going to go off to fulfill his role as a giant universal doorstop in Persona 3. So there we go. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> oh, man. Such a low blow. That's uh, probably a good note, is any, for us to start wrapping up. <laughs> yeah. Kazuki marries uh, Inta's sister, and he watches from the afterlife. Sad. Um... Oh my lord! Man. All right. Anyway, just so the well, I yeah, I mean, we we talked about a lot of the things I probably would have mentioned in the summary, just like the amazing shots and moments. Like again, that last moment where Inta tells Kazuki not to sacrifice himself. Like, do you think that that um do you do you feel like that holds any uh, judgment uh, on the way that Mabu handled, uh, you know, that his own situation. Um, because he seemed to sacrifice himself, right? Like, hmm. Well, I think the key difference here between the two of them is that Ensign never had a relationship with Kazuki. He had an idea or a desire or a want for one, but that has never come to fruition. Whereas Reo and Mabu were a couple. So I think that's the key difference there. Like, Ensa saying, don't sacrifice yourself for me, is, you know. Yeah, I guess the, they. It's a fun yeah, yeah. 
they it's still... a function of something. That, yeah, it's a different. It's a different um, set of rules there. I would argue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they still have like a future together where you could argue like Mabu. Mabu realized like mm. our only future is like. Yeah. Ryu hating his Ryu hating his life and me hating him and that's just not what either of us want. How's yeah. everything gone so awry? Yeah. Yeah. And besides, Ryo made his sorry, Mabi made his decision a long time ago and now changes his mind. Whereas so we've had two decision points there, whereas we've only had the one that potentially could have been touched by Kaskinen. So I would argue they're not quite comparable and that there are different understandable reasons. But maybe again that speaks to the strength of the writing in that you can understand why in one scenario a character would do that, whereas another character says something different, even though they're in superficially similar situations. It's complicated, bro. It I don't is. get it. I, don't, <laughs> I, I just don't get it, honestly. Uh, responding chat. Okay. Um, all right. So shall we, uh, you know, rate and all that, that good stuff? All that jazz. All yep. that jazz. Yes. Okay, so again, there's a lot of stuff that we've probably not covered here um, in either a surface level or in depth. Um, apologies just for this being a two-part episode. It's just partially happening so sometimes. But for me, uh, this again continued the very strong streak of Saren's and my being both entertaining but also having a lot of real genuine meaning to it. Uh, I felt the conclusions to both Chikai and uh, Reo Marbu's own arcs were very well earned. Uh, they had wonderful subtleties to them and wonderful shades. They were just simply, you know, like one-note endings. There was a mm-hmm. lot that we've discussed that we can take reading from, even in the wider context of the world, like with Rayo Mabu, or how we feel about like a character like Chikai, who was a career criminal, but ultimately may or may not have deeply cared about his brother. You know, these things are not incompatible. Indeed, through Chikai and Rayo Mabu, we have both these groups being villains of sorts. Mm-hmm. But they're complicated. They're complicated people whose actions are driven from, you know, desires to, you know, care for the people they, you know, look after people they truly care about. It's not just a case of, you know, I'm going to take over the world. It's not like that. So again, the strength of the writing here is very apparent. It's also funny. It continues its very good witty streak here. Like Azusa Sarah doing her stuff with the surgery and gluing Kepi backwards sideways, which makes me very glad she's not trying to assemble Ikea furniture. Thank God for that. Um... And the direction in particular in episode nine was so crisp. Uh, I'm going to give episode nine, <clears throat> I'm going to give it uh, 4.5 uh, bags of, you know, money being thrown into the river. Out okay. Five. okay. Uh, I'm going to give episode 10 lower uh, only because of the direction not being to me as noticeable. And maybe there are things I missed, so don't take that as a given. Uh, but for episode 10, I am going to give that... Uh, ooh, I'm going to give it, uh, you know, 4.25 out of 5 uh, exploding mechanical hearts. Rest in peace. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I am going to give... I'm going to echo all, everything you just said and, like, say that these are some incredible moments in these two episodes, and it's hard for me to separate them in my mind because I watched them back to back. Yeah. Um I think I'm gonna give them 
Hmm. 4.75 Kepi Pops out of five. Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So very uh, good stuff. Very like the series at or near its best most of the time. Yeah. Man, we've only got one more to go. So, uh, well, buckle up, motherfuckers, is what I'm going to say. <laughs> We're in the home stretch now. Holy shit. Um, anyway, to everyone who's joined us this evening in chat, thank you all so much for, as always. Oh, wait. I we, mean, we still have to, oh, we have to check back oh, in yes, on Twitter. Post. We have to I'm going to leave you to handle that wind up to a bio break. I'll only okay. be a minute, so you get onto the polls. Right. I'll be back in just a second. Indeed, indeed. You can vote in the polls at Watarideshio on Twitter. Follow us there uh, to receive the notifications when we go live. Uh, we've now started using Restream so to, to broadcast to YouTube and Twitch simultaneously. Uh, Twitch is twitch.tv slash show. And it, like, will tweet out when we're live and give those links. So if YouTube is letting you down uh, about notifications, uh, you can always get them on the Twitter. We usually will also say, hey, guess what? Like, we're going live in an hour or 30 minutes or whatever. So uh, follow us there if for no other reason than this sort of thing. And also to vote in the polls, which are... And by the way, you have a week to vote in these polls. Poll number one. Is .hack sign sort out online for old people? 94% say yes, but with less yuck. And again, this is early days vote, 94%. Uh, poll number two. Was the scene in hashtag Sarazanmai when Reo smashes the wine bottle against the wall? Absolute art. Early vote. Uh, early voting, we have 80% with that it is absolute art. Um, here's a poll that I feel like is, uh, shout-outs to episode 9, really, for showcasing this. Is the, uh, Misanga the true hero and main character in Saras and Mai? <laughs> because it's, like, just everywhere, inspiring all three boys to do all these things. Um... Early voting has 86% bless the Misanga, 14% say of course not. Um, and finally, poll number four. Were you surprised that Reo and Mabu were Kappas? 73% say nope, they knew it all along. Um, Damn, well, that's wow. 73% people are better than me, that's for sure. A bunch of sleuths in, in the audience. So yeah, good on y'all, for sure. Hmm. All right, then. So that's the polls. Mm -hmm. uh, and that has been Sarans My Episode 8. Uh, no, it hasn't actually. That was the other week. Sorry, my apologies. Uh, Sarans My Episode 9 and Episode 10. So, again, thank you all very much for joining us. Uh, like I said before, like I would, of course, encourage you to seek out more content from other people, particularly LGBT plus people, when it comes to topics such as aren't just in general, even for that matter. Mm -hmm. uh, but that doesn't mean, of course, we don't appreciate you all being here. It's always good to have a lovely set of people such as yourself join us week after week. Yes. Uh, so thank you all very much for that as always and to restate a very happy pride as well to everyone you be you, you be awesome Simple as. Uh, we don't I believe have our Twitter handles up at the moment on screen so nope. I'll just quickly rattle them off uh, mine is at Shaden1010 if you want to follow me there for various nonsense ramblings and whatnot. and Doc uh, at the subtle doctor on Twitter the no subtle doctor yeah. mm. 
No, no numbers. He's not the 10,010th iteration of Shane. The 5UB713D0. <laughs> no, none of no, no. And, or, yeah, no, 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 no weird numbers. No one was uh, squatting on my account <laughs> because no one likes medieval philosophy. Well, they're just wrong. <laughs> they're just. God. Anyway, um, if you've been listening to this on SoundCloud uh, please, or iTunes, for that matter, please feel free to drop us a like, subscribe, and a rating and a review if you could, just to help our discoverability. If you've been listening to this on YouTube and you're not already subscribed, uh, do feel free to click and smash and hammer that subscribe button. It's just, been you know, a year since we had a review on iTunes um, slash Apple Podcasts, because iTunes is going away. Um, at some point this year, which is weird, but uh, yeah, it's been it's been a year or, or a little a little over a year. I think last May we got a review, mm. and uh, yeah, come on, people, we're giving you this shit for free. We're giving <laughs> it away. It's so like valuable, obviously, and yet we gift it to you. Uh, this quality product. Um, do your part and leave a review and a five star rating, and don't mention that you are co- coerced into it by me. Uh, it really does help out our discoverability with the pod and uh, and the the YouTube channel. Um, love it when you guys comment. Um, it's always fun. There's always like really Indeed. good stuff brought up in the YouTube comments. Our comment section is the only comment section that are like just total dumpster fires that we have are for the devil band crybaby videos <laughs> like those have just gotten away from i've like, not looked at that in i mean months. there's thousands of like views and hundreds of like well in the near manga they are straight motherfuckers and how dare Uh-oh. you read horseshit into this you are just not like knowing everything about the devil men and uh, I, just, I, I do, yeah. I do love how when someone says like in the manga or TV show or whatever, I'm like, oh cool, uh, right? I don't need to listen to anything more you have to say then. Yeah, yeah. Like, just, this, just, is, this is yeah. just a fucking. This is, you know, Masaki Uas's interpretation. <laughs> so yeah, just no, do, but you've the, got the all the stream of thought like comment sections are great. No, no they have not Indeed. been infiltrated by awfulness. Yeah, they've not turned into you know nuclear wastelands. So uh, please keep it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, give a give a hoot. Don't pollute. <laughs> uh, God, thank you, Captain Planet. Anytime. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So with that, ladies, gentlemen, enemies, thank you all very much for joining us. Uh, mm-hmm. We may be back this week. Need to finalize the finale, but we'll of course be back to cover that in its full glory. Uh, we will also be discussing after this what our next show will be. If you have any suggestions, please feel free to drop them at our Twitter. Uh, and until then, as always, brace yourself, everyone. It's the ends of the universe. And a very good night. <laughs>